Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Now Hear This is a music review podcast and is not directly affiliated with any artists or album projects discussed on the show. Think of us like your record collection come to life. Well, except for a few of those Creed albums. But this Christmas episode can be your fill of Christian entertainment instead. You got a record of your favorite songs. You got an hour and it won't take long. You got a pair of brand new friends. You got a ticket gonna stick to the end. I said, now hear this. Is this the open? I've yet. Yeah, are we in the open? Yeah, we are. All right. Well, well here all right. we are. Uh, a bonus episode, a holiday extravaganza episode. Gotcha. A Christmas holiday merry time episode. A miracle, you might say. A miracle podcast Christmas episode miracle. of Christmas. <laughs> Annabelle's gone inward. My we- penis has gone in with her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ryan Brady, and we have with us... Hey, everybody. Who are you again? I want to be Santa Claus, but I am Paul Kaminsky. We have our special ladies on this podcast today. <laughs> this is going great, Ryan. You're doing I'm great. going to introduce Annabelle. This is Annabelle Jones, my wife. Hello. Hello. My name is Annabelle Jones. I'm wife of Ryan Brady. Thanks for being on the show today. You're welcome. And my wife, Susanna Roundtree, needs no introduction. Because she introduces everyone all the time yeah, on the show. Yes, I, I do a lot of podcast intros she for looks, my husband. You look worn out from that. Are you all right? She's so tired of us already. Yeah. She's just like, God. We have a very young child who has been in daycare since, you know, for a couple of months now. So yeah. we're playing that game of you get better from one cold and then the other cold comes along. Oh, oh no, you're no. sick. No, 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 we're not sick. We're oh. just, you know, it's it's where you get to the point where you're just playing catch up from the last time yeah. you weren't well and waiting for the next time you're not well to hit. Oh, so no. it's a low energy situation. I feel like I've already ruined the podcast. No way. We'll see where God. we go from here. What's wrong with you? This is I a know. podcast about the truth and that is just the truth. Do you want some coffee, babe? No, thank you. Okay. I'm good with this water. Okay. Thank you. All right, so who loves Jesus? 
Show of hands. Jesus, I, I love one. Jesus. I got one. Jesus is in my body. Can I put my hand through the floor? <laughs> Merry <Wait>. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> So on today's episode, we've decided to spread the holiday cheer. Praise the Jesus. Woo! Praise the Lord. I, I don't think they say praise the Jesus. No, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think they say praise the Jesus. No, that no, is no. not what happens. Is that a preposition, the? Is that what it is? I feel the spirit, you guys. I think I just We saw should have got those. Christmas items in here to put us in the mood. I thought Shit. about it, but then I forgot. Damn it. <laughs> I can staple a sock to the wall. Can we can we find reasons to feel guilty? That's a big Christmas association for a lot of Let's people. Let's have a fight. Yes. This, uh, yeah. And get so drunk. <laughs> yes. Beer in the fridge. <laughs> yes. This does have like a Christmas dinner table kind of. I feel vibe like we're at the it. holidays right now. Yeah. Yeah. When are the yams coming out? I got mine out right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing like an uncle who loves Trump. Is there an uncle in the building? Can we Ryan, find Ryan, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's episode, we have, what have we done? We've all selected, what, we <laughs> what was it? Three, we all have picked three songs, the holiday songs or Christmas. Can we say, all right, let's get this debate out of the way. Oh, God. Can you say Christmas songs or does they have to be holiday? Well, I think the, in this specific instance, they are Christmas songs, but they can be played at the holidays and enjoyed by all. Right. So I didn't even understand the assignment that They're not <laughs> denominational, but they're written with the spirit of Christmas in mind. Yeah, I like that. Well, didn't you say something yesterday when we were listening that, what is who writes all these songs? The Jews. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you fact-checked it. No, I fact-checked right. it. Like the top 10... Christmas songs were written by none other than Azizus. And well, I don't think we need the Trump uncle anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, Jews did make the uh, the biggest contribution to Christmas. We are saying Jews which entirely is too much. Right? So I'm a Jew, so I can say as much as I want. You guys, not so much. Unless, okay. But your last name's Kaminsky. That seems like Jewish. Oh, and you're Jewish too. You can say Jew. Thanks. Okay, let's go back to... Okay. So, yeah. So, let me just do that again. So, yeah, the Jews wrote most of the Christmas songs, Fabulous. and I fact-checked it. They wrote Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Christmas song, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, Let It Snow, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, Santa Baby, and Silver Bells. That's wow. just a few of the ones that were from the Jewish community. You're welcome. Not bad. Thank you very much. From I my ancestors, it. you're welcome. Wow. Merry Thanks Christmas. for showing up today <laughs> <laughs> and giving us Ma all the facts. Mazel. This is great. Did I do that right? Yes. Kind of, it was fine. Yeah. Okay, good. Are you, are you like this all the time <laughs> in podcast recordings? He's is, great. I is, love Is this fun. what he does? This is loud. Yeah. That was loud. Sorry, guys. What's he like at home? Um, and quiet. Exposed. Yeah, I've, <sighs> I've sort of trained him a little bit. Okay. So quiet like and what? exposed. <laughs> so just so like naked, just like. <laughs> yeah. Less sobbing, know. more. It's an Angel Olsen fan if I've been <laughs> <laughs> oh So yeah, we uh, we all enjoy the holidays, right? And so we've all picked our some of our favorites here, and it's a nice little mixture, I gotta say, because listening to this Ooh. list all together, you know, Ryan, yeah. you and I just normally cover albums. This yes. is the first time we're venturing outside of that into a compilation really our own christmas compilation we made album. it and it is a mixtape that we are giving to you the yeah. listeners which by the way is posted now check the description of the episode you can listen along well thanks future ryan oh you know, you're welcome myself <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and there's a, like quite a mix here. And I think between the four of us, we've all found our respective corners of the holiday season, and they're oh, gross. Yeah, they're yeah, all gross. Time, time. <laughs> Each one has a serious problem. <laughs> <laughs> and let's let's discuss. <laughs> well, wh- why don't we start with this? What do we all like in a Christmas song? Let's just start there, and then we'll jump into the tracks. How about that? Why don't we start with you, Ryan? What What do you like in a Christmas mm. song? I love really complicated old-timey chords. Okay. Chords that do not belong in pop music anymore. The sixth chords, ninth chords, diminished augmented chords, all those transitional weird goofy things yeah. that don't exist anymore. I like... Are those s- popular in Christmas songs? Oh, yeah. A lot of these have leading diminished and strange bass tones in the left hand. Interesting. I also love sleigh bells. Ooh. I'm going to need sleigh bells. There's a certain time in the holiday season where every commercial on television has a steady stream of sleigh bells in the background. Yeah. And so no matter what you have on, you'll hear sleigh bells haunting you. Yeah. Oh, that. yeah. Just, I yeah. love that. Yeah, I can it's get nice. on board with that, too. It's like a Pavlov's mm. response for yes. Christmas feeling. Makes me feel relaxed. Mm. Like looking at the ocean. Okay. Mm. I'm yeah. stroking my arm right now. Yeah, I'm wondering. We're all wondering <laughs> why. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what you you like complexity if I, if I, and monotony. Yeah, at the I same say time. one more. Just as cheesy and as big as possible. Cheesy mm. and big. Gosh. Really, the, the big courses, they take you there. There's a fat guy with the kids on his lap in the corner, and there's the bag of stuff he probably stole from someplace ready to distribute. I can't wait to see what happens next. Who has a glass of milk for me? A warm glass of milk. Oh, God. Wow. That sounds comfy. Susanna, what do you like in a Christmas song? I like things exclusively that hit the nostalgia buttons for me. Mm. So I like listening to songs that I listened to when I was a kid, and I like listening to songs that make me that remind me of songs that I listened to as a kid. It's really rare that I'm, I'll come across a song, a modern Christmas song, that I'll start to like. Actually, one of the ones I'll be talking about today is one of the only songs that's ever done that. But I like a lot of classical things. I like a lot of strings. I like a lot of choral work. I like myself a little bit of Mariah Carey. Mm. She is not on my list today, but no matter how many times I've heard that song, I do not yet want to punch myself in the face mm. over it. I mm. do still it's enjoy it. It's a good it. sign. Good yeah, sign like song. if you can listen to a song far too many times and not hate it, still feel good. I le- lean into very traditional things, cheesy pop and excessive classical stuff. Okay. That would right. be my Christmas. So, so far, che- so far, cheesy seems to be the through line between the both of you. Now, mm-hmm. Annabelle, what do you like in a Christmas song? Shaking my head. I like sadness. Sadness. <laughs> sadness. I literally want to feel so sad when I listen to the Christmas song. Or I want to feel like kind of sexy, like... Maybe a little sensual Christmas music. <laughs> are we talking like Johnny Cougar or what are we talking about? No, here? actually one of the ones that Ryan picks <sighs> is very sexy to me. Um, Once it's... again, you're stroking your arm. I'm going to have to ask you to stop <laughs> doing that. And you can't hear it, but I'm winking right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's nostalgia, uh-huh. sadness. I, d- I don't lean towards classical or cheesy, actually. Yeah. I like a lot of stuff that's from movies. Hmm. I like female singers. Okay. Um, but mostly sadness. Sadness. Yeah. Sadness. Well, there's a moment for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Seasonal depression is a very serious affliction. You SAD, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that took a weird, genuine well, winter, turn. Winter, winter is <laughs> what it's uh, in the, se- the seasons of life, right? That's 
the end. Yeah. You also hear a lot from like um, psychiatry professionals that that time of the year is is when they see an uptick in people needing immediate intervention because there's so many expectations that culture puts on you around that time of the year Hmm. that are just ridiculous and impossible to deal with, especially if you have anything less than a perfect family life. Which who has a perfect family life? No one. I want to go and hide in my room at my mom's house and listen to something, have a cry, and then, you know, join the party again. Wow. I just want to eat hot tea and cold chocolate. Mm. Mm. From the fridge? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, it has to be cold chocolate that's been in the fridge, like a box of Quality Street that's been in the fridge for two days. Or in the freezer, and then a hot cup of tea, and eat them both at the same time. You must time. have some strong teeth. It no. explains our dental bills, really. <laughs> yeah, I have terrible. I have garbage mouth. It's really bad. <laughs> so it seems like nostalgia now is really the one, the holdover between the four. Except Ryan, Ryan, what does nostalgia play a role in your Christmas song? Yeah, well, uh, the the ones I picked, I definitely heard when I was a younger man. Yeah, like much younger now. Like, oh, I heard it last week. You know, one of those things, but. Right. It doesn't have to be sad to be nostalgic about it. Yeah. Like, well, I don't want to blow what I've picked yet, but some of these are, they take me right back to being in middle school or high school. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Like the, back when Christmas felt like it meant more than it maybe does now. Yeah. When to you or to culture? I'd say me 100%, but even culture. Mm. Like people seem as disaffected the word like they just don't really care that's just because we're grown up when you're it's just because we're grown up that's literally it christmas is so built around children yeah and it's like the one time of the year i think for some children obviously not for all children where it's very much about you and Mm -hmm. keeping your happiness and your dreams alive and well and i think as you get older no one gives a shit about your dreams mm-hmm. <laughs> or your happiness. You're responsible for it yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, well, that's true. But I really, at Christmas, try to put myself into that childlike mindset and not in a kind of like I'm regressing kind of way, just in a what was magical about that time mm, yes. and mm-hmm. can I get there again and can I feel it again because it felt so good mm-hmm. and there's really no reason why we can't feel that way. When I hear sleigh bells, I get so excited, like <laughs> as if Santa is coming yeah. uh, and it's like I genuinely think that he's real and I just trick myself of that because it just makes me feel happy. Why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're a kid, you know, I, one of the things that made Christmas so special for me as a kid is when you're a child, you don't have any money, obviously, aside from allowance and things. And so my dad would go all out on Christmas and yeah. we would, you know, it was the anticipation of knowing we were going to wake up to this mountain of right. possibility sure. yeah. sitting there and all, you know, the toys and everything else that went around with it. So, you know, whenever I think of Christmas, even as an adult, the definition for it has changed for me mm. because I'm no longer anticipating the mountain, but I'm trying to hold on to that possibility side of it at least, Yeah. yeah. which goes to you talking about endings. That's one way to look at it. You could also look at it like, okay, well, January will be a fresh start. Yeah. We mm-hmm. can always start over again. So I think that's where I sort of land on it. And the, the songs I picked, well, at least some of them, uh, and some of the ones you picked, Ryan, uh-huh. bring me yeah. back to that place of possibility oh, sure. as a kid. And boy, I get transported 
back into the car on the ride home from my grandmother's house on Christmas mm -hmm. Eve. And I get transported back into me sitting in the bed, like just waiting, not being able to sleep and stuff. So hearing Christmas music has a special effect on me, which means I can only really listen to it one month a year, really, mm -hmm. sure. which this kind of breaks the conceit. So breaking the fourth wall for a moment, we're recording this in October. So it's, it's actually been weird getting back into that. Don't tell people that. Even <laughs> I know that. Come on. I'm like a podcast amateur. <laughs> We are just we right made now, this today. Christmas week. This is live. Happy today. Christmas. Good. Podcast uh, is over. <laughs> things go up and it's, it's instant gratification. That's what everyone wants. Don't ruin the kayfabe. You guys are both ruining the Christmas spirit. All right. Well, I wait, no, 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 no. The family fight is right on, on brand. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So anyway, all these selections, I think, speak to all these different sides. Yeah, yeah I, there was one I had on here that I took off. But the only reason I had it on here, because I realized the song's not that great, was because <laughs> of exactly that. I remember hearing the Eagles Christmas song. What was it? Bells will be ringing. Christmas. Is that the Eagles? That's the Eagles. That sounds too soulful to be the Eagles. It's right. Didn't sound soulful just now. <laughs> it, sounded, <laughs> it sounded great. You missed the portion of the show where Ryan and I sing to each yeah, other. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a real white Christmas. You know what I mean? Hey. Caucasian. <laughs> <clears throat> I love the tension on this episode. Where are those yams I ordered? <laughs> Ryan, you ready for some bullets? Oh, thank God. Good morning. I'm going to be your instructor. Okay, I know you're anxious to jump right in. Hey! I didn't know if there were going to be bullets in this episode. All right, well, I have just one bullet this time. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> I barely know what that means. I think I heard about the bullets like two days ago. So there's a section Paul has where Harold Ramis comes in with MIA in the background and sounds a bullet like a guy shooting a gun. <laughs> okay, well, we're downtown right now, so that could frighten a lot of people. It's, it's <laughs> where we describe the record we're about to listen to with weird beat poetry. Oh, uh, but Paul's amazing. Okay. But, but I only have one this time. Wait, but we don't have to do that, do we? No. Oh, you can if you want. How about everyone has to improvise a bullet? You no. can freestyle a bullet. I, yeah. I'll go in. I'll go in and I'll okay. try. All right. So here's my here's my one and only bullet. Temporarily blinded by the glow of the cold sting of sunlight and anticipation. Oh, you got one, Annabelle. Wait, did that? Did you just make that up? Well, I wrote it down. But you like made it up. Oh yeah, well, I'm a genius. I don't understand this bullet section. That was like <laughs> way too like abstract for me. Sitting outside with a hot mug of cocoa while the snow pours down into my glasses, fogged. Ooh. Um, okay. <laughs> Still doesn't understand. Boy, this changed the energy in the room drastically. <laughs> I just don't know how, like, truthful I should be. be yeah. Yeah, be really truthful. Get real. I just made that up. Okay. It was poetry. And you just have to say how you feel about just Christmas. Just say it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, no, this is too sad. <laughs> no, you got not. No, you that's have. beautiful. Bring the tragedy. No, was that it? This is no, too sad because that's good. It's just like I would be sad wondering if my dad was going to come for Christmas, oh, that's and sad. my mom mm. was making such an effort, so happy and smiling, playing music, but it made me happy anyway. Like that's it was great, just with us. That's great. That's, that's not nice. the same. That's, that's beautiful, that's what though. you guys said. You guys said a poem. That was a poem. Okay, that was a poem. thank you. Yeah. 
Susanna, follow that, please. Oh, She's I gonna can't. be so good. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I was ready until that, and now I'm shook. <laughs> oh my god. I, I can do a much worse one. No, don't. <laughs> I'm so don't. Who needs me to make a fart noise right now? Because I'll do it. I already live with you. No. <laughs> okay, go on, Susanna. You got this. Uh, one week of taking far too seriously the worst poetry in the world. <gasps> that was beautiful. Wow. My last one. Machiavellian schemes to get that Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sin- yes. Sinbad's yes, helping yes, out on that yes. one. <laughs> Is your mic dry after that one? That sounded really wet. That See, Mike's first you told me I'm holding my mic too far. <laughs> now I'm holding my mic too close. Yams! I said yams over here! <laughs> Did you guys get Beanie Babies at Christmas? Yeah. I would be like, well, Beanie no. Baby, Our, my parents were super into like ball in a cup and other really bad toys. Stick ball. They were very into like not buying into like commercialism stuff. So like I would be super into like, I really want my little pony mm. and I would not be allowed to have my little pony. And I would be told it was because Santa didn't think I was responsible. Enough. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. Oh my God. Holy shit. <laughs> are, your pa- are your parents Holy still with shit. us? Uh, they are. They are not with each other, which is good for everyone involved. Well, I'm going to write them a strongly worded letter about that. I'm not happy. Well, my brother, who's only a couple of years older than me, kind of took it on himself at a very young age to be the spirit of Christmas in our house. Like he he told me after we both were adults that he would like a couple days before Christmas, he would look under the tree and be like, that's not enough and go out and spend a bunch of his money and pack the tree because he wanted he really wanted the family to have a nice Christmas together. Mm. And my parents just weren't into that stuff a lot. He did a lot as an older brother for me growing up to really just celebrate occasions. And I had no idea at the time that that was coming from him and not from my Mm. parents. But he's wonderful. He's a good guy. So much Shout love to out. him. Mm-hmm. Clicks for him. Christmas spirit. Well, that was a whole lot of sincerity. Let's, should we jump into the songs here? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it looks like we're starting off with one of mine. Yeah, you're up yes. first. I'm pretty happy about <laughs> that. Uh, so we're, we're starting here with Step Into Christmas by Elton John, Ooh. a favorite of mine. This was released in the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road era, but not included in the album itself. It was later included on the uh, 90s CD re-release of Caribou, Elton John's mm. eighth studio album and fourth chart-topping album in the U.S. So this is one of those errant singles that just got attached to an album at some point. It's written by Elton John and Bertie Taupin and produced by Gus Dun- Dudgeon? Gus, I've never known how to say his name either. I want to say Dungeon, but it's not. Let's say it's that. Gus, the Gus Dundren. Dundren? Gus Todd Dungeon. Dundren. Yeah. Uh, written and recorded all in one day. Yeah, I didn't know that when I was looking into it. it was, Crazy. And, and <laughs> recorded November 11, 73, released yeah. on the 23rd. Yeah. That, you can't even do that now. I, I mean, that's a Leninish thing, actually, yeah. doing it that way. Uh, intentionally produced to sound like a Phil Spector production mm. as well. That's why the sound is so 
Fool. And it was released as a standalone single, backed with Ho, 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 Who'd Be a Turkey at Christmas. So I did not listen to that. Did you check that out? I did not. Mm. No, I didn't. And it peaked at number 24 in the UK, 56 in the US. A very popular song, a quote from Elton. The Christmas single is a real loon about and something we'd like to do more of. We've never written a song especially tailored to be a single. Now, I noticed a through line in a lot of my selections. They're usually phoned in, made to order, all in one day, Yeah, Christmas sloppy festivals of yeah. songwriting, which, I don't know, it, does that just mean Christmas songs are easier to write? When we get to one of mine, we're going to talk about an opera that got written in a month. Wow. So, I think it might be something that's just very predictable. Everyone can, like hook into it sure yeah you're working to a script it's an assignment it's like an assignment an assignment yeah so i love the the acoustic guitar in this opening and throughout the song it's not a traditional christmas song per se but it still has that sitting around the fire style warmth to it very beatly it's a beatly sounding song step into christmas what what is he talking about stepping into christmas i I think it's just lazy lyrics honestly But, but they still work Oh, yeah. You know, it's step into Christmas. The admission's free. Like, they're goofy. They're I do goofy like lyrics. the admission is free. I just, <laughs> That's great. It just sounds like they didn't know what to say about it and because picked that. The admission of Christmas is not free. You have to show up with alcohol to parties. You have to get <laughs> gifts for everybody. Right. You have to get on the plane. And if you don't have TSA pre-check, you're in that line forever. Yeah. Everything costs something. So This one is free. Yeah, the idea is free. Yeah, it's nice, the release of, oh, Elton's party is free. <laughs> Step into Christmas, to me, sounds like almost like what we were saying about switching what? it on. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. You're just, okay, well, I'm going to the party now. The family are there. Doors about to open. Happy faces, everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's good. Let's yeah. do this. That brings a lot more of a sinister interpretation to that song, I feel. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you, if you put that on, because like, did he, he release the song when he was still closeted? Yes. Because yeah. that brings a whole other yeah. level oh, of, like, if you do wow, have to step yeah. into, like, wow. another Character. identity to go home with family, as many of us do, unfortunately. This one and the McCartney song, Wonderful Christmas Time, are linked to me. There's just lots of little bits happening, and a full and joyful noise is kind of how yeah, I describe right, both of those sure. songs. There's lots of little shit, little synthesizers flying around. Should we make the Christmas episode G-rated? Should I... Should we take out the curse and should I Hell no. I <laughs> That's impossible for me. I'd have to just leave the room. I like to sing about all the things the eyes and mind can see. Some <laughs> stupid lyrics in this song. <laughs> Every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, tell me more. Really. They're hopping on the turntable, right? That's the next line. Right. But that's why I feel like this song is really made to order. It's, it just sounds like they're... Drugs. They're just... Okay. Yeah. Made to order drugs. Sounds like drugs. Okay. Just sounds like <laughs> drugs. Okay. Well, fair enough. I've never, I'm, so I'm looking at the lyrics now, I've never actually looked at the lyrics, and they, they don't matter. No, they don't. <laughs> oh my God. That's like with a lot of Christmas songs it's though, the, right? But yeah, right. It's right. the tone it's of the, the record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, I it's love a, this song. It's a celebration. Like I, when I sent you those five or six Ewoks dancing gifts yes. earlier in the week. When you're dancing, I remember. When you're dancing with Ewoks, that was original, everything's fun. Original cut. I also want to say at this point that I am very, very, very happy that Paul is not bringing any of the Star Wars Christmas special to the table for this. I don't know if that would have fit, but next year. Next year is definitely happening. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah, B. Arthur sings one 2020. Yes, he does. <laughs> does Harrison sing on that? 
George Harrison? No, no, no. <laughs> Harrison Ford. Oh. <laughs> Dad jokes. That wasn't a joke. I, I was wasn't like, joking. Well, I was, no, neither of us were joking. Uh, Carrie Fisher she sings. You could call Carrie sings. Yeah. yeah, she gets a little <clears throat> solo there. Was George Harrison in the Star Wars special? <laughs> yeah, he was that monster with the furry stuff on her. Yeah. He was the grandfather that got the masturbation box. Oh, right. Yeah, the grandfather does whack <laughs> off in that one. It's what? a really good, yeah, yeah. Have you it's never a, seen that? Chewbacca's, Chewbacca's dad watches porn in the special. Yeah. And in the living room. He doesn't even go to the bedroom. No. It's 79, it's Chewbacca 77. Furry. Yeah, yeah so we go to his family's house where his son Lumpy is waiting for and life all day. Furry. Yeah. Okay. And Grandpa is, I forget what a Grandpa's name is, like Stinky or something. Stinky or Lumpy or some shit. Lumpy's the kid. Oh, Lumpy's the kid. <laughs> Did you see his you penis? You didn't think it would make it into the episode. <laughs> Do you see his penis? No. I would like to point out, Susanna, you did this. Okay, well, now I want to see his penis. Is it furry? <laughs> there's a lot of places online you could find the answer to this question. Yeah. <laughs> I bet there's some amazing fan fiction you should about definitely that. Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone. Welcome to the portion of the show where we theorize what Chewbacca's dong looks like. <laughs> you have guys to stop drinking it. water when you're doing this. <laughs> One last thing the about this song, and it's it's something I'm perplexed by, but I also don't care that it happens because I love it anyway. Aliens land in the middle of this, and in, in the middle Are of the song, we still talking about Star Wars. There's like Whoa. no the, in the song itself. The there's song, that like yeah. alien landing sound effect. It's like some kind of, of sound thing. effect. It's true. It just seems like the kitchen sink is in there. Like they're throwing just whatever they can find. What else you got? Yeah. Light up that synth in the corner. Let's go. As I said, drugs. Drugs, drugs. right. Have you guys heard drugs. about those? I have. I've heard they're very good. I've heard they're very good. I took a bunch before I came here today. Yeah. I should have. So this is the ninth most played Christmas song in the UK. Did you know that? I did not. Do you like this song? I do. I like it. I have this weird relationship with Elton John where I'm obsessed with him as a person. Tell me more. And I want to love all of his music and I want to so be into Elton John, but I'm just not. Hmm. I definitely love some Elton John music. Yeah. And him as a person I'm obsessed with, but it's not something that's instant for me with Elton. Yeah. Hmm. But I do like this song and it's very cheerful. Hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I like Elton John. Similarly, I feel like um, I always enjoy an Elton song when I hear it, but I don't, I'm not as enamored of his work as I am of other people, which now that I'm talking about it seems unusual because I had a couple of his songs on my karaoke list, like rotating for years and years and years. He was part of big cultural things that happened in my childhood. So Mm -hmm. I should be a lot more interested than I am. And I do love his music, but I've never felt the need to investigate his life the way that I have with, say, David Bowie or like some of the other musicians that I really like a lot. About Elton John and Ryan, we should do this on the show. I don't really know an album terribly well. Like Mm. I've listened to Elton John albums, but when I think of Elton John, I love the singles and I love the little hits, but I never really sat down and absorbed an album and yeah. I'd like to do that I feel like there's yeah. value there maybe that's why what our problem is is yeah. we haven't sat down maybe well I have I've done all of Elton's disca- all of his okay, albums show off every single one <laughs> and do you Paul- do this for a living uh, sort of <laughs> kind of <laughs> <laughs> and I but see I agree with the room's consensus of him there is something between Elton 
and the audience, whereas not so with a Billy Joel, I'd say, where I feel like when you get Billy Joel, you're getting all of Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. But Elton, there's a guarded sort of, well, he doesn't write his own lyrics. So? Nor does a lot of people don't. Yeah, what's your problem? What is my problem? <laughs> Where are those yams? Yeah, fight you right now about that. It's okay. He he brings music to that man's poetry, and that is so beautiful. Yes, like one of the albums we discussed, Ryan Smile. Most of those lyrics were. Let me clarify this for the record. I don't mind that he doesn't write his lyrics. I'm, I thought we were talking about how people connect with him as an artist. Gotcha. Fair. Right. Yeah. That was all I was saying. But people obviously do connect with him. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, amazing, A+, Mad Men Across the Water, all of it. And, and when you read about Elton's production process, like this isn't a one-off for him. He would write a song in the day, yeah. give it to the band, the band would take it, and then overnight record the whole track. He would wake up, sing it in a couple takes, and then start the process again after he sung the last single. And they would make albums in a month or less, two weeks. Wow. So he was moving fast, 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 fast. I think you're in the middle of well, this is the goodbye yellow brick. Oh, that's that's the apex, yes, right? That's yeah. the into caribou, right? He's just doing this constantly. So Do you know what it is? When I watch him perform, I'm unbelievably moved and captivated. Yeah. And when I just listen, it doesn't have the same effect for me. I get that. He has a lot of soul. Oh, so much. And he uh his stage presence is really like there's a music video for this song, mm-hmm. which if you haven't seen, it's worth checking out just because it looks like they're having so much fun filming. Yeah, yeah, and it true. also looks like they don't care. Yeah. Like much like the song's lyrics, the video feels very much like it's a Christmas song. So yeah. it's going to be what it's going to be. But he's like playing with his foot and shit. And you're like, Whoa. there's something very interesting about him. And it's so funny because he's not like a classically, like compellingly good looking fellow or anything. He's just mm. kind of animated and charismatic. Yeah. Like he's when got you that thing. Yeah. That X Factor. X Factor. TM. Yeah. I completely forgot that he did The Lion King. Yeah. I mean, that's a great song, Circle of Life and all those other songs. Yeah. Elton has made so many good records and albums that it takes a long time to listen to all of them and then process them and look at the story. Prolific. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's not just The Lion King. I know his songs more from how they intersect with work of other artists. Like, I know some of his songs because they were on the Moulin Rouge soundtrack. I know the song that he... Didn't know that. That uh, George Michael covered with him, which is Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Great song. Like, I know him from his Lion King work, but I'm not as familiar with the rest of it. That's a a weird thing to realize, you know? Yeah. Well, I just realized the other day I'd never listened to Led Zeppelin, for real. Like, I hadn't gone through any of it. (laughs) Oh, right. And so I've been sitting around going through it, and and (laughs) Annabelle can't handle it, because I'm doing Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Yeah. Like, all the heavy... at At once. Like, not, like simultaneously? Not being played at the same time, but okay. we're alternating. So it's quite, actually quite stressful for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan, Ryan, should I pick a Led Zeppelin album for next Yeah, season? definitely. Oh, I have I so many. That. I would love that. <laughs> it's not for me, that music. Jimi Hendrix never sat The blues? With yeah. Yeah, it's the blues. Well, that is not what I think of when someone says no. Led Zeppelin. It's the blues. That's all it is. It's white Englishmen doing the blues. That's what it is. Well, they shouldn't. And Robert Plant <laughs> stuffing call. a Thank cucumber you. down his pants because he was wont to do that. What? Did they ever do a Christmas <laughs> album? Because I'd listen to that. <laughs> I... Come on, baby, listen to Wait. my rock and roll chestnut song. <laughs> Hang on. Are you telling me someone could actually be called Cucumber Pants? <laughs> well, let me specify that. Either that or this guy is just... 
He's got a big dick, is what you're saying. I I assume one assumes because when the, all the concert footage, like they're famous for that. His big yeah, fucking... oh, for sure. That's in Spinal I Tap. A, I don't think it's a cucumber because just the logistics of dancing around on stage with a cucumber in your neck, it doesn't make sense. There'd have to be some kind of like yeah. a, adhesive and there's going to be chafing. Yeah, I just well it depends. If you peeled the cucumber, it would be not there'd be no chafing, but and it would also be... get crushed pretty fast. I yeah, feel like. I feel like it's more likely it was a strap on. Seems like probably he's just got a big one. Okay. Fair enough. I guess we know what he got for Christmas, huh? Wait, what? I don't know. Big dick? I, I didn't have a good one for that. Step into Christmas art analysis. <laughs> um, so uh, let's move on to Jewel, shall we? Spoilers. Oh, sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. Uh, Jewel. How many of you guys actually listened to Jewel? I listened to Jewel. I love Jewel. I oh, knew, good. I know like, a couple. Well, I loved Jewel. I don't yeah. listen to her that much anymore, but yeah, I'm I, obsessed with her. I feel like um, there's a lot of people who don't like to admit that they've enjoyed the Jewel experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was the type of person who owned not only her book of poetry, but the parody book of poetry mm. that was oh. written by someone else. Huh. And I owned both of the books for a long time, and then I got rid of the Jewel book and kept the parody book because I <laughs> thought some of the poems in that were a little bit better and more funny. But um, I went through a phase of really liking Jewel, and it was around the time that everyone was getting their music via LimeWire. And, a classic time. Yes. Mm-hmm. In that time, you kind of had like a crapshoot as to whether the songs you were downloading were going to be the songs they said they right, were yeah, or sometimes. whether it was going to be like Rick Astley. Or 15 seconds looped for some reason. <laughs> yeah, some other weird trolling thing that yeah. people did. So for the longest time, the song I'm talking about is I Wonder As I Wander by Jewel. I wonder as I wander out under the sky how Jesus the Savior did come for to die For two lonely people like you and like I I wonder as I wander For the longest time I had this by LimeWire or Kazaa or something like that. I thought it was a duet between Jewel and Sarah McLaughlin because that's yeah. how it was labeled. And then when I started doing the research for the show, I could find zero evidence anywhere right. that she was on that song or even on that album. Okay. Wait, so is she harmonizing with herself? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. And she's oh. also kind of using like a different voice. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't catch that at all. That's yeah. great. That's the thing about Jewel that I love is this woman has a voice that can cut glass and she can do so many things with it. The album that this song is from is called um, Joy, a holiday collection. Mm -hmm. It was her first Christmas album and it was her third album overall. And the cover from it is amazing. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it looks like it's straight out of a 1990s JCPenney photo studio (laughs) plus a few like basic Photoshop. It's great. It's wonderful. (laughs) It's a big snapshot of graphic design in the 90s. But um, it went platinum in a month and a half after being released in November 99. Wow. This album. So it was very popular. This whole album, she spends all of her time basically showing off. Like vocal ability? Yes. Right. Like this this whole album, I feel like her first two albums were like the pop songs that got her into the charts. And then when this album came along, she took the opportunity to say, Oh yeah, but I'm more than just these songs which yeah. don't always use the instrument that she had to offer. 
And every single song on this, she demonstrates something different that she can do that is really hard to do. And she makes all of it sound easy and casual, which is also kind of hard to do for singers. It's just a real showcase of her ability. Are the Um, songs all original or are they a mix of originals and covers? No, it's a, it's a, I don't think there's any original ones. I think it's all classic. Gotcha. gotcha. She does Ave Maria. She does Rudolph and she does a lot of other things, but this song is sort of towards the end of the album. I think my favorite of all of her holiday songs and one of my favorite holiday songs of all time. And it's because it's so beautiful and so still and so calming and it feels like a reset Mm. and it feels like um like you know when you go to the candle stores and they have the little jars of coffee beans so you can just clear your senses before moving on to the next thing yeah listening to this song is like that for me Mm. and it's it's something that with absolutely no self-consciousness i can just close my eyes and listen to beautiful pop music yeah sung by this phenomenal, incredibly accomplished and talented singer and just appreciate it for what it is and then just go on with my day. We were playing a little game at home where you were playing a little game, trying to guess without looking who picked what song. And I, if I hadn't known, I would have thought this was an Annabelle selection because it's kind of spooky and sad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, it's a mildly minor key. But it's it. there's a haunting quality to this. For a yeah. Christmas song, it's... It's it's kind of it's dark. Yeah, it's you spooky. Know, it's not every singer that can like as we talked before. She's harmonizing with herself. This is a yeah. two part harmony song, and it's not every singer that can make the top harmony and the bottom harmony sound good, and make it sound like it's a slightly different style. And yes. she she pulls that off. Haunting is a good word for it. At the time of a child's birth, you really don't spend a lot of time thinking about how that child's going to die. But that's kind of I think what this song is about <laughs> about the baby Jesus. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, yeah. 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 Because they're wandering through the woods thinking about how this kid was born and how it would eventually die. And that's yeah. a weird, that's a weird, not, not I don't weird. think about it like that. You know, like uh, you have some lady relatives who are quite sincerely religious. Yeah. And I have heard one of them say at various times that sometimes she just thinks about what Jesus's life was like. Uh-huh. And it gives her comfort to just think about that. And okay. that's what the, that's how I interpreted this okay. as being that sort of, I'm just going to think about the baby Jesus. Somebody's got to think about that baby. Who's I watching think, the baby right now? I think <laughs> a lot of people think about that baby. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me, not so. I don't think about him that much. Yeah. It's a good, what, what was his life like? I don't know. I'm not sure. This is a conversation for another day. I feel like it's a big conversation. It's How really can we big. talk about Christmas and not talk about the baby Jesus? Jesus. It's funny. Yeah. I think you picked the only religious song yeah. in this bunch. So he he was crucified <laughs> 33, was it? 33 years old or was it later than that? Yeah, so I beat him by a year. Not to brag or anything. No, no, well. Are you planning on getting crucified? <laughs> what, what's going on here? Oh, Maybe by you. Look <laughs> the bright <laughs> Christ, you know it ain't easy. I love the strings on this. They accent the vocal in a really nice way, and it's always appropriate. The arrangement is really nice. Do we know if Jewel arranged her stuff or if she worked with a... No, sorry. I was a little lax in the research about the uh, the actual putting together of the album. Just curious, because it it works really well, and the vocal harmony, as we talked about earlier, is really nice. Do you know that she was a yodeler? Makes a lot of sense. I feel like I knew that. Like she grew up yodeling, and that's one of the reasons she has such a good like vocal support system. I feel like I learned that on a VH1 Behind the Music. (laughs) 
That wasn't a I feel like I actually a classic that show. Up. Yeah. When I heard that, I, it reminded me of how uh, Beyonce, when she was a kid, her dad would make her jog and sing at the same time. And Seriously. It, it builds up the same, like, it's, it doesn't sound like fun, but it sure would build up that kind of strength and support in singing training. That fact has blown my mind. <laughs> and it makes so much sense because every time I watch her live, I'm like, how is she moving yeah. mm -hmm. so vigorously while also sounding flawless? Mm -hmm. I mean, in her defense, her dad was preparing her for a singing competition with a very large Russian singer. <laughs> uh, that same. I must break you. Wrong audience. No, no, I knew what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your actual audience, but... When he's training in the wilderness, in the snow, with the meat and, like, the in the in the trees... Yeah, the that. meat and the snow. And then, and then uh, is it Drago? Yeah. He's got all the Russian technology and yeah. getting injected <laughs> with stuff. Boop, 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 boop. Did all you know that, that his mother reads buttholes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's iconic. Like, I'm how sorry, does who, she read them? Wait, who's she he? His, his mother reads buttholes. Like, like oh, fortune tellers reading. read palms. She'll tell your life I, story from your butthole. I thought you just said Stallone eats buttholes. And and and, and you're like, oh, that's so interesting. I was like, really? No. <laughs> so he definitely eats buttholes, but she reads them. <laughs> Ryan. It's nice. You eat and read. out. <laughs> All right, well, um, let's move on. I'm going to need to chat to you more about that later. <laughs> about the buttholes? Yeah. Wait, wait, is it my Stop turn? And also I want more information on, about, about Beyonce's tips yes. from her dad. Yes. Because I'm going to start Im implementing some of those tips. Yeah. Andy Williams. Holy shit, I can't <laughs> wait to talk about this. I've been waiting for the last three months to talk about this. Andy Williams is, is it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the half happiest season of all with those holidays, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is ex an extremely iconic song. Oh my god! It's the most wonderful time of the year. That was several keys. <laughs> That's great. One size fits all. So it was written in 1963 by Edward Pola and George Weil. And so Edward Pola is an actor, radio, television producer, and a songwriter, New York guy. And George Weil, he wrote this theme song to Gilligan's Island. Whoa! Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so the story wow. goes, so Andy had this show, the Andy Williams Show, and it was the second holiday episodes. So George Weil, who's a vocal director, he wrote all the choir stuff on his show, did all the duets and trios and all the stuff he did with the guests. And the second song, he brought this song in. He's like, well, let's do this. Let's do it for the show. And after years and years and years, it just became a big hit because it was on a major television network. Wow. And yeah. Really amazing. It was released on an album in 63. 63? I didn't realize it was that late. Yeah, it was yeah, late. It feels me. it feels like it's from the early 1900s or something, yeah. right? It sounds like, like someone listened to it on the, yeah, 
on the yeah. on the prairie. Just <laughs> just a year before the Beatles, <laughs> and everybody's covering it. Johnny Mathis, Amy Grant, Garth Brooks, Patti LaBelle, Harry Connick Jr. You could go on and on and on and on about all the people that have covered this song. Yeah. And I love it. We've had pop, we've had religious stuff, and now we have a big slice of sugar and butter and apple motherfucking pie. Oh, yeah. Like, that's it's, what this is. This is the core of Christmas, is just this song. It cuts to the, the lady singers, scary ghost stories, and okay. then it just cuts to the man. Oh, my God. If you start talking about how the scary ghost story things makes no sense for Christmas, I am going to walk out of here. I've heard that complaint I've, every single year defense. we've been together. I have a defense, because I know Paul's coming at me with it. My, my third note on this is Susanna will be mad at me for this. <laughs> But the scary ghost stories is insane to me. Because even if it's Christmas Carol, even if it's a Christmas Carol, that's yeah, one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying to you. Well, I one. wasn't. I was thinking it. But Christmas Carol, Ebenezer it's, Scrooge. Because it was in that ghosts. tradition. People did that back then. That's how they celebrated Christmas. They told stories. In the 60s? <laughs> 1860s. Yeah, but this is Andy Williams in the 60s. You can't change classic Christmas songs. I'm not saying I change it. Pagans. I, I'm just... It's a Victorian era. I really want right? that to be my ringtone. It's just you going, pagans. Pagans <laughs> over and over again. It's demonic. Excuse me one second. I have to take this call. <laughs> it's the pagans. It's the pagans. <laughs> but but come on. There's... No, but think about it. So what year did this song come out? 63. 63. Yeah, okay. So assume sort of blanket that Christmas songs and Christmas albums are written in part for the grandparents, no matter what generation you're in. So the people who are the grandparents in 63 were alive in the Victorian era. So they're sitting around telling ghost stories on Christmas. Spooky ones, apparently. Times like about ye oldie times, Christmas past. How many times have we had that expression? But they specifically cause. Have say you ever scary been to church? Stuff. It's haunting at Christmas time. It can, I know it can. It's be. absolutely spine chilling. But it's only about the one story go- of Jesus involves a ghost. But even there, it's a singular ghost. He's murdered on a cross and comes back from the dead. How scary and spooky do you want? <laughs> but that's Easter. This is about the baby. And people eat his literal body. Well, the Which cannibalism is, is something I hadn't considered. <laughs> Listen, this is a fucked up story and you need to get on board with that. This? <laughs> Does, okay, so, so Catholics believe that the, the, the little the, the cookie that you they eat is trans... The host, it's not a right? cookie. It's trans- savory. It's a wafer and they call it the host. Transmog... Paul went through Catholic, whatever. Transmogrified? What probably knows. You know, I ate that cookie once. Transmutation? No, they call it... Like, it's called like... Was trans, it gross? Trans, it was bad. Trans... <laughs> Transubstantiation. That's it, yeah. Transubstantiation, so they be- they believe that the wafer is now flesh. It literally becomes Christ's body. Hey, hey guys, is it the is it the baby flesh? No, uh, God's sake. Does it follow the calendar? It's the hap-happiest season of all is what it is. <laughs> you know they say if you take the communion and you're not Catholic that you'll burst into flames. This is going to piss off a lot of religious people. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, Merry Christmas, everyone. I went to a Catholic mass because I had a Catholic boyfriend, mm-hmm. Irish Catholic, very strict. And they gave us the chance, whether we were Catholic or not, to come and do the wine and the thing. And it was really nice of them, I thought. Yeah, honor system, really. And point. I wanted to try it. to just. I like to just try all of the different things and see, you know, maybe I would like that. Did they have the wine in the cups or in the chalice? The little cups or the big, the communal chalice? It was like a big jug and the woman, you had to kind of just like put your chin forward and open your mouth because obviously it can touch everyone's lips right? because of hygiene. Right. And you just opened your mouth and just sort of just 
Waited for it. So that's why I stopped taking the wine at church when I was still going when I was a kid, because I one time got a backwashed wafer in there. Oh, oh. That's oh, true. My God. There's a scary ghost story. Me, that's the scariest that's ghost story. really made me feel just horrible. I aim to disturb it. I'm not sure. Like I don't know. I I'm I'm pretty not into any religion on a fundamental level. But just listening to you describe the process of as a follower being told to get on your knees and open your mouth and close your eyes and wait makes me feel (laughs) as a woman you feel. Well, I mean, like I think some men as well would also find that a little bit. Well, those are the gay happy meetings, and they're talking about this song, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Get on your knees, no? open your mouth, and wait. Uh, yo, uh, yo, it's time for your inspection. <laughs> and if you do this wrong, you'll burst into Rocky's flames. Grandma's here. <laughs> I didn't. I'm still here, bitch. I love. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> I love this song. To me, this song feels like. What people imagine the fifties to be, but never right. actually were. Yeah, yeah, it's just mm. so happy. I yeah. just want to yeah. go to like an old fashioned yes. um, shop and have the lady like try the new lipstick on right. me, mm-hmm. and and have like a nice gift wrapped gift for somebody. Sure. And mm. or better yet, and, stand in a window and see the shop from the outside with being cold outside. There's something Christmassy about that. I love that. I actually love doing that all year round. I have a weird thing about when you can see into people's houses and you can just mm. like see them writing at their desk or watching tv with their kids mm-hmm. or like cooking their dinner i honestly find it so moving standing outside of people's windows yeah, genuinely. <laughs> when i lived in london it, i would take a walk in the evening just to it would make me feel so good and just so happy sounds nice yeah to yeah. just like see people living and, yeah. and being alive I don't yeah know, it was and it makes you feel like you're a part of the community just yeah. because you're seeing like little snapshots of other people's mm. lives because you're like mary i know what you cooked last night mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. good the judge says i can have my binoculars back in 90 days so i'm excited you, about that have you ever done the macy's um or like just anywhere in new york the the christmas sort of window displays yeah I oh, yes. no, i've done them in london though because yeah. they have they have a really nice one at fortnum and mason which mm. is one of our oldest department stores and they're like world famous stop laughing at me ryan i'm not laughing you're I, literally you're laughing. Doing, a, doing an advertisement for fortnum and mason i work right for tourism <laughs> for england and um no fortnum and mason if you guys ever go at christmas time to london mm. It is actually very good. Christmas in London is just like... Go to the basement, get some mulled wines. I, we never went into London when we were living there at the holidays. It was oh, always yeah, like... In oh, yeah. I was there until I was 18 years old. Oh we God. moved over when I was three. I, mm. My father's English as Do well. You, are you English? Um, no, but I am eligible for the citizenship if I want to claim it. And I'm I before Brexit, I might have done it uh, because I thought that would be the escape plan if things went real sour <laughs> over here. We'll be, England will be fine. We've yeah. been through a lot of shit in the past. We'll it's figure true. it out. I mean, it's not great, obviously, yeah. but... The but Romans. We lived, the Romans, we right? lived a little outside of London. And the Nazis also. Yeah. There's that. We've seen a oh, few yeah, people that. off. Some Vikings in the mix. Yeah. We got rid of Thatcher eventually. Hey! Was Mesopotamia, were they ever a threat? Huh? Jesus Christ. Right? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But anyway, where we lived, it was all like um, what I remember most about Christmas then, because we lived in the middle of the country and there wasn't really an easy way to go anywhere. So I remember like the frost on the ground a lot, on the green grass. And I I remember a lot of like how dark it got so early. Mm -hmm. I remember a lot of like it being very dark outside and turning off the lights inside and turning on the lights on the Christmas tree and really enjoying that sort of atmosphere. And we did have a fireplace because we were a little house in the middle of the country. I 
do miss that. I miss like the wood fire yeah. at Christmas time. It's yeah, very good. the smell of matches for me is one of the most burnt matches. It's one yes. of the most Christmassy smells. Mm. Christmassy. Every yeah. time I smell it, I'm just like, yes, Christmas, mm. get in me. <laughs> Again, the arm. It's gotta stop. <laughs> well, I moisturize and it okay. just feels so soft. I well, all right. Uh, it's a great song. When I Andy Williams, I actually do love Andy Williams' singing voice. Oh, the voice, oh, he's one Beautiful. of the best voices. Is that a crooner? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Andy Williams is another one that I had no concept of for a long time. Yeah, I just like I don't think I would have known who he was if I hadn't realized that his name was attached to so many Christmas songs. Honestly. A lot of Christmas songs. Wait, sang how many a lot of did standards. he sing? Well, he has a whole Christmas like album. All of them that came out in '63. Oh. Yeah, and they get a lot of airplay. And a lot of people have them on their favorite classic Christmas lists. Yeah, I prefer a lot of his to others. Like, I don't really love hearing Sinatra sing a Christmas song. So yeah. I'm doing fake about it. Yeah, because you, you, yeah. yeah. you can smell the cigarettes and whiskey on his breath, yeah. you know, Ooh, like with yeah, Andy. Yeah, that smells like Christmas, baby. <laughs> what kind of Christmases have you had? <laughs> Do, English. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, uh, the one that, the one Christmas song that I can't stand is the Dominic the Donkey song. Yeah, no, no. Jiggy, jiggy, I worked. Oh, I waitressed for a little while at a donkey. at a, an Italian restaurant, and in December that was on heavy rotation. It's about an Italian Christmas donkey. They were reaching. Yeah. Okay. That's well, a lot of I've never had that problems. in my life. Like that, ca- that later. That came out the same time as Rudolph. It's like uh, Armageddon and the Morgan Freeman one. You're talking about the Aerosmith song? No. It's like uh, Ants and a Bug's Life coming out at the same time. You know, one is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Armageddon. Yeah. Burger King, McDonald's. Yeah, There's yeah, always yeah. a competition. Yeah. Yeah. So you can either have Rudolph. Yes, McDonald's. Who's a, Pepsi, who's a Coke. Mutant. Coke. You can have a mutant yes. German deer. Or you can have an adorable Italian donkey. And we all went with a mutated German. Italian, like, classical Christmas culture stuff I found out while researching one of my later songs is very different from what we think of over in America or what I grew up with. And you probably grew up with in England. I'd say most European countries have very, very, very distinct Christmas traditions. I learned recently that there's a German tradition of a Christmas devil man. Krampus. Oh, yeah, the Krampus. Yes. Yeah. Who is haunting and terrifying. And eats children who are bad. Explains a lot. Just yeah. so. Good. <laughs> Good riddance. When I, this is, we talked about um, nostalgia earlier. When I hear this song, I am transported back to every Christmas I've ever had. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm standing in the shopping mall in New Jersey on Route 1, not on Route 1, but off of Route 1, just <laughs> there again, just looking at the Santa displays and all this stuff. Like and, as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is such a nice song. It just gives you a warm, yes, happy mm. feeling, very a warm. safe feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of Christmas songs make me feel very safe. Yes. Mm. Does anyone else? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah, I get that. Yeah. Because it's agreeing with me to make me. No. Feel no. no <laughs> we it, do agree. It goes with the nostalgia thing for <laughs> right. me. It yeah. takes you back to it. It allows you to get into that childhood headspace yeah. for a minute. Yeah. I think that's why so many adults get into like sharing Christmas with their children. You know, even some yeah. of the traditions that make yeah. no sense. like or, I, Yeah, or even religions who aren't Christian-based sometimes will celebrate Christmas anyway because right. it, it's a it's children. Yeah, my, my family celebrated it, but no one in my family was Christian in any way, so. Yeah. You know what will not make people feel safe is this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can pretend. Yeah, they can hey. pretend. What's up next? 
The Pretenders, 2,000 Miles. Love this song. Oh, I love this song so much. First thing which I'll say is the vocal performance is so good. Yeah. The way she dances around her voice mm-hmm. is really hard to do. It's like really, really hard to do. Yeah. And this is sung by Chrissy Hine. Chrissy Hine. Yeah. Uh, my my second note on this is bless you, Chrissy. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's like what all. A legend. She's what amazing. Legend. And she still got it. I saw her last year. She sounds she great does? still. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Great, yeah. We saw Blondie also still has it. That's mm. right. Yeah. yeah. I feel like she's really good. I feel like those punk women still yeah. have their stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. So this was released in November of nineteen eighty three and it was the most popular in the UK where it peaked at number fifteen on the UK singles chart in December 83, which surprises me, actually. I would think it would be higher. 83? No, no, no. I mean, it peaked at number 15, given the fact that it's played every single year and the fact that it's such a famous song. Was that when it, like, was that the era of all the Band-Aid kind of songs? Would it have been running up against those? Because those were, like... Yeah, check. I thought that was 70s. Yeah. There was a lot of that reaching out, that the rock stars were doing in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when I first heard this song, I was just like, oh, this is so sad. She's talking about a man who's so far away and he's never coming back and well, she's waiting for him to come back. And for me, as I said earlier, as a child, it was always kind of a roll of the dice whether my dad was going to be at home for Christmas. And I think actually a lot of my Christmas songs that I love now, as we sit and analyze this, yeah. kind of have that running theme going through it of like, is he going to be here for Christmas? That kind of wondering and waiting. Yeah. Which you also feel about Santa Claus. Oh, <laughs> yes. true, yeah. So, you saved that from making me cry in the uh, last part of the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this song actually isn't about that. And yeah. sorry, it's not going to get any happier. It's all good. <laughs> uh, it's about her bandmate who died the year before. Oh, oh. And he died at the very young age of 25. Jeez. And he died of a drug overdose. I was really, really actually shocked and obviously saddened to learn that. And it has definitely put a different twist on it for me. Yeah. However, again, not completely surprised that I love it. You know, I've Mm. it's very like on the nose for me as far as my life experiences and what I'm drawn to in an artist's lyrics. What was his name? I want to find it because I feel like we should talk about him. It's not in our notes. So I did find the chart material. So the 14 songs above this song, I'll go 14 to 1. Ready? Billy Joel, Uptown Girl, Michael Jackson, Thriller, Tracy Ullman, Move Over, Darling, Howard Jones, What is Love, Cliff Richard, Please Don't Fall in Love, Tina Turner, Let's Stay Together. Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, Islands in the Stream. Wow. Ooh, that's a great one. Billy Joel, Tell Her About It, Thompson Twins, Hold Me Now, Status Quo, Margarita Time, Paul Young, Love of the Common People, Culture Club, Victims, Slade, My Oh My, 
Wow. Excellent. And then number one is flying tickets, only you. Huh. There's a lot of stuff happening. Yeah, but none of those are Christmas songs. None. No, which is really weird. December 83. But also, I think maybe... Actually, I guess the lyrics are pretty Christmassy. Even though I don't think this song was written, if I'm not wrong, I don't think this was actually written as a Christmas song. Huh. It's just associated with Christmas the way that uh, that one movie is? Yeah, well, wait. Let's look at that. There's a movie that was isn't really Christmas themed that people like watch on Christmas. I forget what it's called, but it's one, Blade it's one of the old ones. <laughs> Maybe Blade Runner. <laughs> no, wait. Is that the one that you guys love with that man in it? Die Hard, you mean? Die Hard. The, yeah. I'm, Why is Die Hard a Christmas film? It's, it's, place it's, it's on Christmas. Place on Christmas. I wouldn't consider it a Christmas film. <gasps> well, many that's would. A many would. For another day. Many would. Ryan would. It's a gr- happy ending. I think anything is a Christmas film if it makes you feel like Christmas. Same with oh, yeah. the music. It doesn't have to be Christmas themed, but if it makes you feel yes. like Christmas, then it's part of your Christmas experience and it counts. Does a building partially explode? Are people getting shot? Yes. But is it a happy ending with jingle bells at the end? Yes. Okay. What about the pretenders? So the pretenders. <laughs> the artwork for this song is so good and also weird because it is a Christmassy scene, but then there's something which looks distinctly like a UFO flying above <laughs> the Christmassy farmhouse. This is the UFOs. second time we've had the UFOs in. I yeah. love it. There's a, well, you know, Santa's real. Why not have UFOs? Shit. Maybe he uses a UFO. That's true. I mean, we don't know what the we sleigh looks like. Sure. What I don't understand is it says it's considered a Christmas song. When you read about it, it always says, yeah. eh, it's not really a Christmas song. But I didn't know it was a Christmas song. I think I about it. I think about it like a Christmas song. Yeah, I think the theme of being very apart from sure. people you love is yeah. a Christmas, a and common Christmas feeling. More like, are we going to make it in time? Yeah. Or? It's but you know what it is is it doesn't rely on jingle bells certainly like no. what we were talking about earlier. But Too there bad. is that there is that no. little like twilight sparkle synth happening that yeah. sounds uh-huh. a little like snowfall. And it also the music doesn't um, it like fades in. Mm-hmm. It's got those background sounds like fade in, which is like sleigh bells in the distance, kind of. There actually isn't that much information about this song out there. I did. No, there's not. There really isn't. The vibe is Chrissy doesn't really talk that much about it. She's a real punk chick. She's like, here's my song. (laughs) Fucking listen to it. Right, right. It is what it is. But the main kind of vibe on this is that it isn't a longing love song. It's a love song for her bandmate who passed away the year before, <sighs> which is just so sad. I'm going to have to sure. listen to it again with that in yeah, mind. Yeah, with that in mind, it yeah. really changes the vibe of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I hear it this December, inevitably, I am going to now think of that. I know. So thank you, Annabelle. Thank you. I know, I know, I know, I know. Not to sidetrack, but it reminds me a little bit of, have you guys ever heard the story about how Prince's song, Nothing Compares to You, was written about a personal assistant? who like went away for the weekend and his whole life fell apart because she was keeping everything in line. Wow, so no. he wrote the song about how his life couldn't work when she wasn't there. That's crazy. I thought it was about giving up smoking. It, I mean, it <laughs> <Really? laughs> sounds like a pretty valid interpretation too. Yeah, but that's like, what I had. I heard it through like one of the uh, many, many, many music podcasts that is out there where people- Both make sense. And everything on a podcast is 100%, <laughs> is 100% true and fact. It was presented by former employees of his who were all hmm. talking about how like when they were done working with him, he would do things like pay for their 
college educations and Aww. help them start their That's secondary nice careers and stuff and how he really valued when yeah. people really helped him in the shit he was trying to do in life he really valued them hmm. did but, he ever write a christmas song prince you think i bet he did i don't know one off the top I'm he was jehovah's right witness now. right are they allowed to enjoy christmas no they do not celebrate any holidays that's right yeah well, then, so the one thing that they do celebrate, because I work with, with a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses, they celebrate their wedding anniversaries Aww. very Aww. elaborately. Aww. And it's like a very communal vibe. It's very sweet. Yeah. Mm. Another Lonely Christmas, Purple Rain, 1984. Huh. Sorry, I'm literally reading the Google results. No, no, no. I put no like, <laughs> independent editorial thought into that. We did have a no Googling policy, but I guess that's been lifted. Well, no, this is a bonus because, episode. Because I just also, I'm not on this podcast that's full right. time. That's why we still don't know if Harry Belafonte is dead, dead or alive. Look it up? No. no. I can't look it up. So I want to know I'll about the pretenders. Is Chrissy's from Akron, Ohio? Mm. Is it Akron or Akron? Akron. 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 But... The pretenders are from Hereford in England. Hmm. All of them? where did they meet? And why was this album that had 2,000 miles put out in Stockholm? It's very confusing. It's a good question. It really is. I don't know. I don't know anything about the pretenders. What I do know about this song is, and I'm going to tie it back into Paul McCartney like I always do. Robbie? Is Robbie's on the song. Robbie McIntosh. Robbie McIntosh plays the... Yes, I just read that. Guitar. Yeah, Robbie McIntosh plays beautifully on 2,000 Miles, Chrissy said. Anything to avoid listening to my voice and stupid words. Oh, <laughs> Chrissy. But I know, her saying that, and also it's obviously very painful for her, the subject matter. Yeah. Mm. She probably feels like she could never do it justice. Oh, sad. Sorry, sad. guys, all my songs are really sad. But they're also, that's a beautiful thing to do, is to write a song yeah. like that about a person. I don't think there's anything more devoted or reflecting of how she felt about him than yeah. that. That's, that's a gorgeous thing for her to have done. God bless Chrissy. God mm. bless Chrissy. She was working at Enemy in London. That's how she met them. Oh, okay. Chrissy. Doing what at Enemy? She Just was, writing? It doesn't, say, it doesn't say what she was doing. She was working in London in 1973, working at Enemy. And the lads were working at Vivian Westwood, which is iconic. Yeah, um, for real. She was just like making demos and... Dave Hill at Anchor Records heard her music, and that's how it all began. Well, I guess that brings us to song number five here, which is Christmas Rapping by The Waitresses. Oh, I love this song. Yeah, what a tune. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. this is my second pick here. Christmas by myself this year. 
I found this fact. I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. The third song to be ever be formally released by this band. Really? And one of the what? ones before that was I Know What Boys Like. I don't know. It, it said song in what I found via song facts, which is usually fairly reliable. Anyway, it was released on a 1981 album called A Christmas Record by ZE Records, or Z Records, I'm not sure which. Mm. The uh, band would later include it on a 1982 EP titled I Could Rule the World If I Could Only Get the Parts. And it was written by Patty Donahue, the singer of The Waitresses, and primarily Chris Butler. Butler was apparently a notorious Scrooge and so had trouble writing this one to order, as it were. Like yeah. we talked about, this is another song written to order. They were trying to fulfill this compilation album and it was reportedly <laughs> reportedly the lyrics were finished off in the ride over to Electric Lady Studios awesome. when they recorded it which was yeah. one of the uh, one of the fun little facts I learned here the title is a play on Christmas rapping which is a 1979 song by Curtis Blow Holy, that's played out hit it You give me all that jive about things you wrote before eyes alive. Cause this ain't 1823, ain't even 1970. Now I'm the guy named Curtis Blow, and Christmas is one thing And uh, that was one of the first rap songs released on a major label. In 1981, rap music was just starting to enter the mainstream, and the waitresses rode that to a degree with this spoken word song, huh. which you could interpret as rapping, but. Sure. You know, at least in that proto yeah, version. Yeah, As yeah. white women would rap. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, this is at the birth of it, you know, like it hadn't been around very long. So not commercially. Right. No, no, no way. Patty Donahue, Akron, Ohio. Hey. Yeah. Making Fun. connections for everybody today. I love that. It's very Blondie-ish, so you can tell where maybe the influences yeah. are, at the very least, the environment of where, you know, they were coming from, that sort of scene. It was New York. They they were a New York band, mm -hmm. part yeah. of that whole CBGB scene. Right, right. I love this song. I think it's amazing. It's great. It's great. There's a feeling, well, I'll just read this quote from Chris Butler first. There is a feeling in New York that there is something in the background cooking around that time of year, referring to Christmas. It does make you think things will turn out okay. Again, going back to New York yeah. at Christmas specifically. And while this wasn't a huge hit when it was first released, least years later toward the latter half of the 80s after run dmc's christmas and hollis took off yeah that's a big one djs mm -hmm. were looking for songs that kind of had a similar vibe yeah to spin during the holiday season and that's when this one started to become a standard hmm. so hmm. they were looking for songs that had a maybe slightly more rappy hip-hoppy kind of vibe ish sort of thing and that's when this one really took off now i remember this one in heavy radio play as a kid even to this day yeah i think it's a you know, fairly popular christmas song it's got that feel to it of like hey i messed up this christmas did you and i that's yeah. how, that's one of the most <laughs> appealing things about it yeah. to me is that it's just very eh, it's fine yeah you're okay it opens up with the line, bah humbug, nah, that's too strong. You know, that kind of puts you right in the place of the character's thinking here. Yeah. Where yeah. They, they're like, nah, fuck Christmas. Well, yeah, I guess it's fine. I just like how per how it's conversational it is. Yes. Mm. I need to dig in on her life. Yes. She seems so interesting, especially that whole era. Yeah. So I've done the the blondie thing. I, I but they did. They had a short career because she died career. young, right? Died very young. Forty. Yeah, in ninety six. Heavy smoker, big heavy smoke. Do not smoke. Mm. Yeah. It's a good lesson for you. But it's what the verses are about. Her day to day. Yeah, there's a story here. Like she talks about a lot of missed opportunity and love with, the, or this character does. Yeah. And then she decides to set Christmas aside as like, okay, that's when everybody's supposed to get together. But no, 
I'm going to spend this one alone and it's going to be great. She's trying to cheer herself up after a, a bunch yeah. of misconnections throughout the year romantically. Sense, yeah. She's a single woman. Yeah. And she's doing Christmas alone. Mm-hmm. Living that lifestyle, you know? She's Bridget Jones in it. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the store to buy a turkey and falls in love, or at least falls in hooked up. The world's smallest turkey. Uh, A&P. <laughs> what a is an A&P? Out. It's a grocery store. Oh, I, don't, I missed that. We had those in Jersey. I guess you didn't have those in I'm sure they're somewhere <laughs> still. <laughs> it's funny. There's some lines in that are chuckle-worthy. I mean, if you've... If you were listening to it fresh, maybe you'd find it funnier that first time. But I don't know. There, there's something compelling about that. And this one, the the bouncy disco-ness of it all. Like, I have a real disco soft spot. Mm. And so this fulfills that whole thing for yeah. me. Nice saxophone. Oh, yeah. It's a huge part of the whole yeah. record. Oh, the horns are great. Really good. Did you know there was a Spice Girls cover of this? I I read that yesterday. <gasps> no. so much sense. I think I might have to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, she, um, yeah, this clean and tight, tight 80s snares, clean miking, all that stuff, that that 80s sound that I love, as Chris would call high 80s probably, but I don't know. It's definitely high 80s. Hold on, I have to do this. <laughs> this is going to be a This is the Spice Girls. Yay. I assumed. <laughs> So taken a long time. Not much in difference in the interpretation so far. <laughs> I am on board already. Yes, oh, yeah. Classic. Uh huh. Yeah. Spice Girls sounds. Three of us are dancing to this. <laughs> Ryan, oh, what are you waiting for? I was staring <laughs> into the abyss. <laughs> And scary. I'm dancing now, I'm dancing, I swear. <laughs> Mel C, coming in hot. Yeah. Different vibe to this one. So they're giving it more attitude. Yeah, because they're about girl power. Right. No, they're not just single ladies at Christmas. They're like, we're single ladies at Christmas, girl power. Yeah, but they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to get laid on Christmas. Yeah. While Patty's like, I'm She's not like, going to get well, I'm going to 50 cigarettes today. <laughs> yeah, the Spice Girls went down to get cranberry juice for their vodka cocktails. Right, right, right. Mm. Not a sad, cold, small turkey. <laughs> no. They had each other. They didn't need no Sorry, man. That, that is no, a bop. Great. I will be listening yeah, to that a lot. That's think, going right in my I'm going to add that as the bonus track on our playlist. <laughs> so I like that version. I must say, though, I do appreciate Patty's apathy, though, because I think that's Love part it. of what sells the songs, because it just her. She's just like, mm-hmm. it, it feels as though you couldn't listen and she wouldn't care less yeah. if she if you were listening or not. She's it just feels like a talking. rainy Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, it's just monotone. Yes. Just kind of. Dro- like droll but with a groove there's a groove in there I lo- yeah no I love it yeah 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 Her I cadence. love it yeah. so apathetic that's, uh, for great sure song. that's the perfect word so that's uh, Christmas wrapping yeah another favorite so what do we have next here okay I'm gonna bring some opera to the table <sighs> from 51 from 51 I'm gonna start by talking a little bit about the guy who wrote this opera because okay. I think it's gonna be important context to what I'm going into what I love about this and why I can't have it in my like family Christmas list anymore. Right. So how do you pronounce the title here? The title is A Mall and the Night Visitors. The composer's name is Giancarlo Minotti. (laughs) 
He's an Italian composer who was mostly active in the United States. Amal is one of his most famous operas. His second most famous is probably The Consul. He also wrote an opera about Goya. He also wrote an opera in 1968 about aliens landing on Earth. <laughs> what the Big hell? strong alien themes, guys. <laughs> Big alien energy. Wait, is it real? Should we go storm area 51 after this? <laughs> it's really far away and Nevada's very dry. So maybe is what I'm getting. And also here. I don't need to go there. I know the aliens are real. Okay. <laughs> Ow. So, Rejected. Um, Out the blue you came, came to me. <laughs> this was a... Uh, song. That's also our wedding song. Oh Yeah. That's true. There's a UFO line in that song. I yeah. know. Because um, he, he wrote that about seeing a UFO, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, John said he saw a UFO over Manhattan. Yeah. Weirdly romantic song about a UFO. <laughs> anyway. Giancarlo Minotti. Um, he was referred to in, some, in an article I found from the 80s in the LA Times as um, Giancarlo Minotti must be one of the better second-rate composers of the 19th century. Okay. So that's a sick burn, yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, which I feel like given... His very spotty success in some of the topics that he got into with some of his works. That's not inaccurate. Let's talk about an opera before we get into the Christmas opera that he wrote in 1963 called The Last Savage. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) But yes. Yes. Oh, no. He wrote an opera about a white female graduate student at Vassar who wanted to, for her thesis, find the last living savage on Earth, traveled to India to do it. Yeah. Her parents paid a guy to pretend to be the last savage so she would come home and have a nice marriage. This sounds like my last Christmas. (laughs) And so they were paying this guy to, like, this Indian guy to pretend to be... This is the plot. It didn't really happen. Hopefully, fucking hopefully. 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 Is this a Christmas story? We're getting there. This is not from his Christmas opera. This is a different opera he wrote. Okay, okay, okay. Her parents paid this Indian guy to pretend to be us, like a quote savage. Yeah. And her plan was to then take him from India back to New York and exhibit him in a human zoo. (laughs) This keeps getting worse. This guy sucks. This was an opera he wrote in 1963. No, it keeps so? getting worse. The same year as Andy Williams. Is big <laughs> it's the most wonderful. <laughs> These games are not out here yet. My I, mom. I think about shit like this when people my age tell me that racism doesn't exist in America because this is a shit that their parents were growing up with. Yeah, that's so true. this is not that fucking. They're still long hanging ago. around. Yeah, it's a triple yikes. From yeah, that one. It's a very. <laughs> Yeah, so this is one of his operas. And Same guy. Yeah, this is one of his later operas. But let's get back to this opera. It's, I don't like this guy. I'm it's going to level with you. <laughs> fair. This opera is known as the Christmas Opera. It was uh, broadcast for the first time in 1951. You can actually watch the whole original broadcast. It is on YouTube, and it includes the composer himself explaining a little bit about why he made the story choices he made. It's available on YouTube, but you can also watch it at the Paley Center for New Media, which is, I think, an online archive as well as an in-person archive. It was the first opera ever composed for TV. It was (laughs) broadcast live. Oh, wow. There's a really good parody plot summary of this opera that's available on a blog called Operagasmic that uh, I would really super recommend to just familiarize with it if you're not into watching the whole thing. Anyway, the opera is about this poor boy and his widowed mother 
who have nothing left. They're practically starving, practically dying. And the three kings on their way to see Jesus stop and ask if they can stay in their house for the night. The son is crippled and the mother puts them up and follows the laws of hospitality and then gets really upset that they have so much money and she's so broken. Her son is starving. So she tries to steal some of the money. She gets caught. They forgive her. And through some sort of Jesus-y miracle, the boy is cured of being crippled and then decides to go with the three kings to Bethlehem to meet the baby, leaving his mother alone with now absolutely nothing and no family left. This is a serious question. Is this the little drummer boy? No. There were multiple children. No, he has no, there's no drummers. Um, So the story that Minotti tells is that he was inspired to write this when he was wandering through the Met Museum and saw Hieronymus Bosch's Adoration of the Magi. Mm. And so this is kind of like a fan fiction work to accompany a painting, which is kind of interesting. He also claims that he had been commissioned for this opera, didn't know what he was going to do, and got this idea in November. And this opera went live on Christmas Eve in the following December, which means that it was written and staged and put together in about a month, maybe a little more. So I don't know how accurate that is. And in the thing that I found, it said that November was supposed to be the same year as the broadcast. It may have been the November before would make more sense to me. But anyway. If it was that early, it would feed into the theme of Christmas songs tending to be written and recorded very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And also, like, he has whole sections of this opera where it's just people listing their names like singing their names over and over again, which sounds a bit like filler material. Yeah. (laughs) Like as that kind of stuff goes. Mm -hmm. So the song that I'm bringing to the table from this opera is the first track, uh, the introduction. It's called Amal Amal, and Amal is the name of the little boy. And it has this beautiful, beautiful sort of string sequence leading you into the opera. And it's something that I grew up listening to all the time. So for me, it really hits that nostalgia button. When I hear the first movement of this opera, I'm right there ready for like a Christmas experience, which is one of the reasons I really like it. Is that the harps you're talking about or are they actual? No, it's actual strings. When I say strings, I mean stringed instruments like cellos, violas, violins. Well, because there's a harp portion in this too that I I quite liked. So I was wondering if that was. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. But yes, that is there. Now, the reason why I can't now play this opera for my child is because after the boy has the power of Jesus put on him and he is no longer a cripple, all of the kings and their assistant want to touch the blessed child. He doesn't want one of them to touch him. Why is that? Because he's black. (laughs) Oh, my God. How is this getting worse? (laughs) It's getting worse. So this is the thing. I looked into a couple of librettos, and there are two versions of the librettos. In one of the versions, he doesn't want to be touched by the king's servant, who is definitely black. And it's because he's a servant, not because he's the king. They try to play it off like that. In the other libretto I found, it's the black king that he doesn't want to touch him. Right. So, so this is one of your favorite Christmas songs. <laughs> no, this is this is something that flew over my head when I was listening to it as a okay. child, and then when I figured it out. But this okay. is like this is something that like I wouldn't necessarily you can't like erase terrible racist stuff from history. But you know maybe a five year old isn't in a good position to like understand the Probably context not. of this. So maybe yeah. this is something that cycles back into our family life when there are no children under like fifteen, so the context can be understood. But it seems like there's people like there's some interpretations of it that try to backpedal like. Yeah. And and say, no, it's about class, which is also not great. And in the original telecast recording, it's kind of hard for me to tell how much 
black and brown faces going on oh, in the actors. Worse. <laughs> because I couldn't find any headshots of the performers because they didn't do a whole lot else. So there's I can't really tell what their actual yeah. what everyone's actual skin tone is, but it takes place in the Middle look East. At the hands. Yeah. I should go back. I just that. didn't like the oboe on this song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was chilling. I really was chilling until that oboe came in. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> that's that's supposed to be the little boy playing his own flute. Yeah, well, he shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> he shouldn't. And also, he's a racist little shit. <laughs> but that's what it, that's that's. I kind of agree because for me, it's the strings. Oh, okay. Is that yeah. the thing I thought I knew was why a bagpipe? Like yes, the, he's playing his pipe. It yeah. sounds a little like a bagpipe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, so I thought this was a kid who's trying to stay up for Santa. But is told to go to bed. But he's no. trying to stay up for Jesus. And that well, he's he's just staying up because he's a bad kid. That's okay. that's put in the the songs. But like Minotti says that like when his growing up experience in Italy was not that he would wait for Santa, but for him the three kings would be the people who would bring the presents, not Santa. Right. And um, you know he would fall asleep convinced that he could hear the sounds of the camel's feet, not the reindeer's feet. So right. it's a little like that's that's a lot of his own personal culture that he put into that. And I just have to assume, based on the other opera that he wrote that's also got some racism problems, uh, that racism was also a part of his culture, which is a shame. Mm. As the LA Times said, he's one of the better second-rate composers of the 19th century, so... What an accolade. (laughs) (laughs) On the gravestone, one of the better (laughs) second-rate composers. Also a racist. Yes. Yes. There's, and the only other thing I can think to say about this opera is that it's unusual for the female lead not to be a top-level soprano. It's a mezzo yeah. or an alto, a high alto role. Maybe he couldn't get her because he was just only second rate. Yeah, probably. <laughs> couldn't find the, the expensive singers. There's a, an ominous quality to this one, which is a, a, a difference, I think, is unique to this song in our selection, too. This one sounds like it's there's dread. Is it making sense to you now? You've uh, heard the backstory? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just, as an adult, like as a kid, you listen to any story and almost any story makes sense. But as an adult and also as a parent, I find it hard to understand how an opera where the mother loses her child at the end of it is a good yeah. thing. Because so. he was a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've come down pretty hard on Gian Carlo here. I find yeah. it interesting that you that you don't want to play it to your kid. I don't want to expose her to casual racism before she can understand the context of it. Yeah. Like, I do believe that we, it's a good idea not to pretend that that stuff never existed, not to try yeah. to erase it from experience. But that's not a casual racist thing to not want a black person to touch you. That's a pretty hardcore, offensive, yep. like, <laughs> yeah, old school, incredibly shitty thing. And I don't want to censor the whole thing because of that, but mm. I want her to be very clear when she hears that, that that's a relic and even in its own time was offensive. Yeah. yeah. So, As a kid, I loved Grease. That was one of my favorite movies. Mm. Now, I cannot believe I was allowed to mm. watch it, sing it, perform it. There is a lot of teen sex. Oh, yes. There's abortions, mm-hmm. bit of rape. Yeah. Um, but as a kid, it just went over my head. Dirty Dancing. I think I watched with a bunch of other third graders. Right. Dirty Dancing. But that's what I'm saying. Like, mm. as a kid, do you feel like that went that message went in or not really? No, I don't think I got that from this, but I know that I had other media exposures that led me to say things as a child, which I'm horrified were never 
corrected and never explained to me. So it didn't happen with this, but it did happen with other like cultural items that were available in my family. Yeah. I don't want to repeat that cycle. Totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get it. Mm -hmm. Well... That was a heavy one. That was heavy. No, I just, I really, I'm so interested when yeah. people make those choices in their families because mm. I, it is obviously everyone's personal choice and I totally get why you're doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's just why I ask because it's just interesting to me and I wonder how now with where we are in society, what effect, if any, it will have if we're all raising our kids like this. Mm. Are they going to, is it going to affect them or is it not going to affect them? We don't know on the whole. Like I'm yeah. just interested to see where people like yourself who are like woke to this stuff, will it change future generations? I think the cultural shift is going to happen no matter what people do within their own individual family units. But I think the cultural shift will happen easier if, even if we're not saying this is bad and this is good, but if we're saying, hey, maybe we should have a conversation about this. Yeah, for sure. You know, like it doesn't have to be a big long one. It can just be like, hey, just so you know, there's this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. you know, and And I think that every child is going to be different. Every teenager is going to be different. People are going to absorb things at different rates. People take in information in different ways. So who knows? But I think I do what a lot of parents do, which is I look at my own childhood, see things which I think could have been done better for my own experience and try to avoid remaking those very specific mistakes. I'm sure I'll make... A ton of other... I mean, what parent? I'm sure. I mean, like, what parent is perfect? Isn't every kid pissed at their parents there's going to be so many things that paul and i both bring to the table in our family that are like this is something i enjoyed when i was a kid yeah this is something your dad enjoyed when there's going to be so many other things like cutting a few out here and there is really not going to ruin any kind of family bonding experience no of course not i don't know if i had a kid if i would let them watch grease grease lightning not sure i would (laughs) but so you know yeah same, same kind of vibe yeah slightly different theme and context no but i mean that's also i like i think about that when i think about what i would edit out of yeah you know so on a completely different note the next song is paul mccartney's (laughs) wonderful christmas time (laughs) which is a jangly little synthesizer number that paul just (laughs) tossed off always making the mccartney 2 record yeah but is attached to Back to the Egg in the later CD releases, so that's why it screws everything up in my head for it. Is it, it. Wings? Is it Solo? Is it Back to the Egg? Well, he performs it during the last flight tour in 79. Right. It's it's a Paul solo record, and it is, in tone, the exact opposite of the last song we just discussed. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight, and that's enough. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. The party's on, the feeling's here. That only comes. Paul McCartney. Hey. My favorite guy. <laughs> no, I do love him. You like him now. I like him now. You've given me like exposure therapy and now I'm like <laughs> I think that's called him. brainwashing. When we first Stockholm got, syndrome. When we first got together, I, I was very overwhelmed by the amount of love that you had for Paul McCartney. I love him. He's great. And when I moved in with you into your apartment, Paul McCartney actually had more real estate in your apartment than I did. Damn right. And it was a problem. And I was it's like, the real okay, king of pop. Some of these 
items need to go because I have needs as well. Mm. And please, can you move this Paul McCartney selection? Yeah. I feel like you and Susanna would have a lot to talk about because that's how Ryan and I met. Yeah. Do you know that this Paul was named after Paul McCartney? Hell yeah. This Paul was named after Paul James McCartney and his brother was named James after James Paul McCartney. Wow. It's true. So it was like very just like predisposed you were going to be. Yeah, but I could have rejected it and didn't. Yeah. And I'm happy I didn't. And instead I found a lifelong interest, which is nice and a way to relate to my father. Oh, sweet and sad. See? <laughs> it's a perfect Christmas thought. Yeah. <laughs> so this song is like the song of Paul's that many people point to and say, hey, this guy is full of shit. And I say, well, what are you talking about? Because this song makes 400,000 pounds a year. <laughs> and has a total of, I think, 15 million pounds that it's made him so far. And Can he you does... imagine having more money than you could possibly do things with? Yeah. And he doesn't, doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. Nothing. It's half of his income every year comes from this song. From the era of a Wings album that bombed. Bombed big time. And an experimental solo album that no one understands. Nobody including gets it. Including his hardest of core fans. Yeah. Uh, well, I like which it. Which album like it was that? The synthesizer McCartney one? too, the one. <laughs> oh, that was a rough period in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Max. I've never even subjected Susanna to Well, because when too. he, Ryan did his last podcast, <laughs> Take It Away, the... Complete Paul McCartney. Complete Paul McCartney, number one hit podcast. Good job. It's good stuff. You're famous. That's so sexy. Um, Do you know how many people have stopped me on the street because of that podcast? Zero. <laughs> it's almost like it's not a visual yeah, medium. Right. That's funny. That's a good joke. Hurrah! But when you, were, when you were researching for this podcast, this Paul McCartney podcast, you, we would have to listen to the albums for a long time. And we listened to that album... And it gave me a feeling which I never want to feel again. <laughs> Brought you to a real dark room, huh? It really gave me a tension in my chest. Got a place. We, we can, can go. Nights and the... Let me show you to my dark room. Oh, God. Come, come along yeah. oh, with me to my dark room. One of my favorite pictures of... Come on, come Oh, singing along. Hey, win. I was just riffing. Um, <laughs> no, I think one of my favorite pictures of Paul McCartney is from when he was making that album. That one when he's leaning over the synthesizer wall and he's twiddling knobs. Yeah. Is that from that time? Yes. Great picture. Mm-hmm. He was also in the toilet doing stuff. Drums, getting the reverb in his little bathroom. He made it in a farmhouse, a farmhouse on his property. Was he listening to Devo when he wrote the song? It predates? Or no, not predates, but around the same time. All the same time. I know he he took a stack of records that were popular at the time. He was just listening because he was trying to reinvent Mm. himself because he was done with wings. Wasn't there some Kate Bush vibes in there? Yeah, for sure. The synthesizer uses a Yamaha CS80, which is... (sighs) Angelus, you know, the guy that did the Blade Runner soundtrack that you brought up the earlier. Classic. That's Christmas his favorite owner. synthesizer. It's He said it's hard to even learn how to play the thing because the presets are so complicated. It's like its own instrument. But the synthesizer is signature to this song. I mean, big time signature. Synth is big in wings in general, but this one is almost synthesizer dependent. I mean, it's essentially a synthesizer riff, and that's it, which is beautiful because it's a wonderful melody. Yeah. 
Now, is do you know, Ryan, is this one, is this, is it played by Linda on this or is Paul playing the synthesizer? On this Paul one? plays everything. It's got... It's, on this one? Yeah, it's a McCartney solo record, technically. I always forget that because I'm, I'm thinking Last Flight when I think of this song. Oh, yeah, because it was marketed with that record. Right. Yeah, it's all Paul. And that's another reason that he's a genius is that he gets all of the money every year from the song. <laughs> so anytime anybody makes fun of the song, I think, well... Who makes fun of this song? It's a classic people, tune. People hate this song. Yeah, it's, it's a love or hate. It's I don't understand it. Simply, wonderful yeah. Christmas time. Who doesn't like that lyric? Uh, simply, just simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yes. Maybe it's the ding dong, ding dong, ding. I don't even that. mind that. No, though. I love that. It's I like love a, it. it's like I a love musical the music sugar video. Cookie. The music video is really nice because it's just video. some people hanging out at the pub, dancing, hanging out, hanging out with like their neighbors and just having a good time. That's the Christmas I wanted to be a part of when yeah. I was a kid. That's the like, Christmas you're going to have this year when we go to bah, the UK. Bah, bah, that's the Christmas I'm oh, having right back. now. Yeah, for Christmas. That's wonderful. I got my green card. Whoop, 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 oh, congratulations. congratulations. Hey. Uh, wait, where's the rap? Uh, rap uh, horn. Uh, I need the rap horn. I thought you had it on your phone. Uh, yes. <laughs> Green, Green card. card. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough about me. Back to Paul McCartney. Um, well, that's, that's really all I have to say about this. I think it's great. The lyrics are pretty straightforward. It's Paul doing Paul. Even there's the McCartney years DVD where he's where you're watching the video you're talking about. And the commentary's on, and he's trying to explain how he wrote the song. And he's just like, well, you know, I had a new synth, and I put a delay on it. It's a little blinkety-plonkety synth line, and it's a Christmas song. Oh, hey, man. And you're like, yeah, he's right. You Half do a, a million dollars a year later. <laughs> yeah. You do a wonderful impression of Dana Carvey's impression That's exactly of Paul McCartney. That's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. That's exactly blinkety-plonk, blink. And this is why we're friends. Um, we're simple talking to- lyrics, actually, looking at them. Very, Very simple. simple. But so great. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight. And that's enough. You see, and that's when Paul McCartney is at his best, when he's just trying to be simple and not trying Agreed. to be fancy. Completely agree. When Paul is doing Paul, I'm obsessed with him and I love his energy and his spirit. Yes. But when Paul is doing what he thinks he's meant to be doing, mm-hmm. I check out. We were I'm just, just talking like, about that. Do yeah. you, Paul, you are enough. We love you just mm-hmm. as you are. Yes. We're obsessed with you. Yeah. Did, have you ever heard the song that he wrote for his his daughter Beatrice? Which one is that? It's the one he had with Heather. But he wrote this uh, song about like everybody's gonna dance and sing, and dance it just tonight. he dance tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, he just wrote it watching a little toddler like do the bouncing thing that toddlers do, and like that is one of the ones yeah. that gets me from the modern era. Because it sounds it's like, like something from the seventies. It's such a simple yeah. concept, and it translates so well. But it's because he's not thinking about it, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, this is the Christmas equivalent of silly love songs. I mean, in yeah. a lot of ways, we were talking about this the other day. Where sometimes we feel like exactly what you say. You, I can't believe you nailed it on the head like that in the way we, we were talking about it specifically. But when he's trying to impress people or when he thinks like his musical friends are going to judge him, mm. it starts getting a little arty and stuff. I still like it, but... It's that weird competition with Lennon. Right. Or, well, you know, maybe it's not even a conscious thing. I could say that, you know, it might may not be a conscious thing. It's the weight of expectation. Yes. Mm. And it could be that simple i don't want to say like oh when he's trying to be x y and z like we don't know what we went there we mm-hmm. don't know what's in his head mm-hmm. but he gets knocked for being too saccharine he gets knocked for being mm-hmm. too simple childlike or whatever like the corny he gets knocked for that a lot i like that side of things just because it does feel genuine coming out of him it's the same reason i like that jewel song 
You know, mm. it is corny. Like it, Jewel is perceived as corny, but if you enjoy the experience, it doesn't fucking matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it all traces back to that Ram album that got destroyed by Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And you listen to Ram. I listen to Ram. And I'm like, this is great music. I don't understand how someone could not like it, but because it was publicly shamed. Yeah. I, I think that was Paul doing Paul, mm-hmm. trying everything he could to not sound like the Beatles and do himself. And then the, and then uh, Jan Wenner was like, nah, you suck. Enemy. Uh, Rolling Stone. Oh. oh, he was a Leninista. But he was a yeah. Lenin pal, but he eventually betrayed Lenin anyway. So my point is, yeah, when Paul's being Paul, Ding dong, ding <laughs> dong, ding. Guess what? Life is complicated. People don't always want to listen yeah. to something profound yeah. and deep and twisty. That's my point. Sometimes we just want to hear a man sing ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's all you have to say about that. We were talking about being transported back to your childhood. This one places me right back in my grandparents' house every Christmas Eve because my dad would bring a VHS tape of Christmas music videos that he taped off the television. <gasps> And this was the first on there, and it always mm. felt like we were being the bad kids going off and listening to the rock and roll Christmas stuff in the other room. I didn't know that he did that. Is that why you always want to watch like concert videos and music videos at the holidays? Yeah. Oh, now you I learned know. something. <laughs> We've been together for 10 years, and I learned something. There you go. Beautiful. But anyway, great choice, Ryan. Susanna was shocked that I didn't pick it. Mm. I, I really was. Mm. So you got that going for you. Well, yeah, I, I was shocked when you didn't pick it. I was like, well, one last thing for me to have to do today. <laughs> <laughs> well, so from the sugar mines of wonderful Christmas time into the drunk tank. <laughs> Back to the tank. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is one of my favorite Christmas songs and songs of all time. Mm. The Pogues, Fairy Tale of New York. It was Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank, an old man said to me, won't see another one, and then he sang a song, the rare old mountain tune, I turned my face away. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a song. This song for me is a good song, yeah. Is Christmas in England. I know that it's set in New York, but literally two Christmases ago, I was in the pub and this came on, and everyone in the pub starts singing and <laughs> dancing together. Aww. It is mm-hmm. just Christmas for me. That's great. In a song form. This is my first time hearing it. Actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I loved it. I oh loved my god, it. welcome. <laughs> you never heard this. I don't know, it missed me. So, this song... I only heard it because of her. Maybe it's a... We heard it because of not growing up in this country. Maybe yeah. it just didn't make airwaves here. Feels like a UK. So this yeah. one, what, it was 85 I started yeah, writing it? God. It took oh, the them year of my years. birth. <laughs> oh, don't take my... Not, this is like my one song I get to talk about. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was trying to... <laughs> I'm playing for time. Because no, this not. is, as we said earlier, live. No, it's not live. <laughs> it's okay. live. We're recording it right now. No, yeah, December twenty second, two thousand nineteen. Okay, so this song. That's what my watch says here. Arnie <laughs> doesn't have a date on it. <laughs> watch. This song was <laughs> released. Excuse Are me. You finished? Pardon me. Let me just <laughs> hold on. <sighs> Are those yams coming? <laughs> yeah, yams. Okay, so this song was released in November, 
November the 23rd, 1987. But it started being written in 1985. Had a long old road to get from where it was to where it is now. Breaks the conceit we talked about earlier of the quickly written Christmas song. Exactly. So apparently the vibe was that at the time, my favorite artist, Elvis Costello, was producing the Pogues. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I thought you didn't like Elvis Costello at all. (laughs) Um, That was very, very, very dry sarcasm. Yeah, that was extremely dry. That was extra dry sherry sarcasm. British British section. No, I really don't. I want to like him because of that one scene in Austin Powers, but that's the only one song which I do like by him. Um, Wait, or is that Burt Bacharach? That's Burt Bacharach. Burt Bacharach in number one. It's Elvis and Burt in number two. Wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get get when you fall in love. Okay, anyway, so. Yeah, baby, yeah! Elvis Costello bet them that they couldn't write a Christmas song, and McGowan was just like, ah, I'm drunk, fuck you, I'm gonna do it. And he started. That's exactly what the song sounds like, too. And then a two year bender later. Yeah, a lot of alcohol drinks later, and maybe some other items. This song was came to be what it was, and. It originally had one of the band members singing it, but I think some beef went down between Elvis Costello and the band and he stopped producing them. And he was hooking up with the girl in the band and I think she left with him eventually after a while. Hmm. So she was no longer the singer on it. And Kirsty McCall ended up singing the female part of this. And Steve Lillywhite ended up producing it. Steve Lillywhite, he's a huge rock producer. That's the one, yeah. And he is my friend's dad. And Kirsty was my friend's mom. She sadly passed away in 2000. But she had the most epic performance on this song. I think she encapsulates this character so well. The story is basically meant to be these two people who... The song starts with them being in love and they're reminiscing and then life has just gotten the way and they've both ended up these kind of downtrodden, slightly jaded, drunk reprobates and the lyrics of the song kind of go down that path and then at the end of the song it kind of all ties up with Shane's character saying, I love you so much and I've carried your dreams with me, you know, with mine and in spite of everything, I love you. And I think it's just such a nice story with obviously a fair amount of profanity in between those. Um, So like, let's look at some of the lyrics. I was going to ask, speaking of of, uh, modern censorship. Mm -hmm. So there was a big controversy. Well, there's been several controversies over this song Mm -hmm. throughout the 2000s. A lot of radio stations started censoring the word slut first. Hmm. That Uh, was the one they went for first? First of all, yeah. So first of all, it was slut because he says in the song, you're an old slut on junk is what he says. And they're kind of just like yelling each other in this part of the song. So first they did slut, they censored that. And then arse, (laughs) A-R-S-E, they censored (laughs) that. That that And then lastly was the word faggot, which is obviously a horrible word to say. There's a whole kind of like conversation about this where faggot is a Gaelic term which has nothing to do with homosexuality. A so that was of sticks. So that was <laughs> Is that is that what it is? Like I actually don't know. I don't know 
because also... when I was reading about the controversy last night, that is one of the things which I don't. I didn't go a deep dive into. Like, okay, so in England we we yeah. call fags fags of cigarettes, and I think I'm not sure. I haven't lived in England for two years, but I think people still say Do you want to have a fag. I'm not exactly sure, but the original name for the pogues was obviously I don't speak Gaelic, so I don't know. Pog Murthoin, I think it says. And it means kiss my ass in Gaelic. Yeah. And after they started getting a bit of popularity, they got so many complaints at the BBC <laughs> <laughs> for, from the Gaelic speakers being like, okay, this isn't all right. Yeah. So then they changed it to just the Pogues. But anyway, back to the controversy of the song. He recently put a statement out about the song and about the controversy because it all kicked off again in 2018. Shame explains that these are characters he's writing mm-hmm. from a perspective of a character think of that Andy. imagine yeah. that. i know exactly yeah. and yeah. what he actually said Give was the word break. the word was used by a character and it fitted with the way that she would speak and her character she's not supposed to be a nice person or a wholesome person she's a woman of a certain generation and a certain time in history and she is desperate and down on her luck her dialogue is as accurate as i could make it but she is not intended to offend she is just supposed to be an authentic character and not all characters in songs and stories are angels or even decent or respectable people. Sometimes characters in songs are evil or nasty. If people don't understand that, that I was trying to portray a character, then fine, bleep the word out. But I don't want to get into an argument. That's reasonable. People do mix that up a lot. Like they don't understand that you can like a character without that character needing to be a likable individual. Yeah. You know, obviously the word isn't great and should not be used by anybody who is not in that community. But he is just saying, like, it was a character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on this. I don't know what my wokeness level is about this. I think that characters should be characters. And yes. if he is saying that his intention was this for it to be a character, I think we should believe him. Where I'd land on that with this is, if this was written today and it was a character saying that word, I would say, no pass, no mas. Okay. But written in 85 through 87 as a character, I think the cultural alignment hadn't really gotten to the point it is now, especially if it isn't intended with malice. Like we did that with, uh, with Randy Newman did that. On, yeah, the, on one of the yeah, albums yeah. we talked mm-hmm. about, he says some pretty horrific, he drops some N-bombs in there. Yeah, and terrible, terrible, but it's a character. He's writing from the point of view of yeah. a South African racist saying right. it. Right. So it's like, oh yeah, well he's trying to say that this person Christmas is bad. Christmas in Cape Town. Right, Christmas. Should I added uh, this to my that Christmas could have been in there. This would have then been an extremely controversial yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many racist things can we fit in in one podcast? Let's my find goodness. out. Let's find out. It's not over yet. White Christmas, huh? I- <laughs> Based on my memories of, okay. of being in England and based, uh, like, and I spent some time in Ireland when I was over there too. I do think there was a difference in the way the word was used casually yeah. over there to the way that it was used at that time and now in America. Yeah, I Like would in America, agree with you. it's much more the maybe the prelude to violence or assault or yeah. harassment or murder in some cases, but like the C word, you know? 
Can I? Cunt. Christmas. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, cunt. Cunt was like very casual in conversation over there. Yeah, and over here, casual, it would yeah. horrify no, people a lot of people. No, people when you say that word. Huh? Yeah. Um, let me just wrap this one up with one of the last verses of this song. We start out, we're in love, we're downtrodden in New York, it's cold, we're drunk, we've probably taken some heroin, we hate each other a little bit. But at the end, I could have been someone. And then she says, well, so could anyone. You took my dreams from me when I first found you. And then he says, I kept them with me, babe. I put them with my own. I can't make it all alone. I've built my dreams around you. Aw. So beautiful and sweet. And I love this song, and I love the singers of this song, and I love the story of this song. It's good. Yeah. Your passion for this song makes me appreciate it more. Yeah, I just yeah. I just do find it so moving. It's a triumphant quality, especially mm. to the end, because yeah. you start in the gutter, essentially, and then you get back, and what this song does is makes, we're back to Christmas in New York, yeah. kind of, at least that's what I, it takes place in New York, yeah. right? It romanticizes the notion of Christmas in New York to be this epic thing yeah even in the most horrific starting points you can find it ends with this strings and yeah. this beauty you can feel the wind the and the snow the boys of the nypd choir yeah, right. singing you know it feels right. yeah very yeah, yeah. T- togetherness and triumphant funnily enough when they did the video for this the band just got progressively shit-faced <laughs> and they were filming it in a in a nypd like jail in the cells in the drunk tank and the police there were getting agitated thinking oh my god these yeah. lads are gonna kick <laughs> off right and matt dylan was actor. actor big fan and he was playing a cop in the music video and he actually was the one that had to uh de-escalate the situation wow. between the nypd for reals and the pogues <laughs> and then when the nypd band turned up to do their part they were so shit-faced the band from the, the NYPD journey, NYPD yeah, from the irish um because they've been drinking on the bus on the way in they were even more drunk than the band and then they said we'll only perform now we've decided if you give us more alcohol <laughs> so by the end of the video shoot everyone was just paralytic apparently which that's is amazing. classic pose wow. that's amazing yeah so anyway rock and roll that's great love this song fun fact also incarcerated in that drunk tank the wet bandits <laughs> marv no harry marv is that true no no no, uh, no. it is oh, for i our... didn't get that joke i was very that really missed me i'm so sorry it, it was is... wasted on me the new york the new york christmas continues yeah in with macaulay culkin and donald trump and the uh, movie He's home in alone it. 2 lost in new york which is where the All Alone on Christmas song by Darlene Love comes from. Something tells me you haven't seen the music video. Macaulay Culkin is oh, hanging I've out seen it. with the E Street Band. It's amazing. Makes sense. So, gotta all, see it now. All Alone on Christmas is my third and final pick. Written, produced, and arranged by Little Steven Van Zandt. Woo! 
And recorded by Darlene Love with members of the E Street Band and the Miami Horns. I had, by the way, going into this, I just picked this song because I like it. Yeah. I didn't know it was from originally Home Alone 2. I knew it was in the movie, but I didn't know it was from that. And I had no idea that the E Street Band was no, connected with this at all. I mean, it does sound exactly like the E Street Band. I mean, it does. But I didn't know it was it either. I thought it was in the saxophone. style. saxophone. Yeah, the big man is on the there. The big man makes it. This was the biggest delight of my research and all of this because I was like, oh, I, I now understand why I like this. Yeah. It's filled with many things I like. This was recorded for and included on the Home Alone 2 soundtrack and it's only just dawning on me now that this literally has a loan in the title. There is a music video which we've talked about, a spectacular display on every level and this put Darlene Love back on the Billboard Hot 100 peaking at number 83 and hitting number 31 in the UK when that movie came out which I think is 92. Yeah, Darlene has been a staple of pop music since the early 60s and one of her most prominent, earliest, most famous works was being included on the A Christmas Gift from Phil Spector to You album. It is a really good album. In 1963. Didn't Phil Spector shoot his girlfriend in the face? Well, yes. Merry Christmas, babe. (laughs) Yes, he did. Depicted, by the way, by Al Pacino in a wonderful made-for-TV movie. Wonderful. That's a really good album. I met a girl the other day that used to write Phil Spector love letters in jail. Oh, goodness. Yep. Wow. That uh, now that's like a part of culture that I'll, I'm fascinated and completely confused by why women do that. Just for bants, I think. Some mm. of them, yeah. For what? Banter. Sick curiosity of just being like, if I write to this monster, who will respond to me? But then you fall in love with him. No, she wasn't in love with him. He was seemingly in love with her, but. Yeah. But that's probably not even true because. He's a sociopath. And it's a letter, and he probably gets 100,000 of them a day. Right. Anyways. She's also an actress, Darlene Love. I didn't know this. She plays Murtaugh's wife. Come on. In the Lethal Weapon movies. (gasps) Give me a break. Amazing. And this voice, wow. Oh, yeah. She does a really good job. Wow. So she had a really good time in the 90s. She had like a whole revival. Right. Well, so she. Yeah, I love this woman. Yeah, she's got. So Tina rode that wave in the 80s. Right, of the revival, the, yeah. the, um, the Motown-ish He's a revival. Rebel, is that her song? Yeah. That is? Her real name is Darlene Wright. That's mm-hmm. a number one. He's she's, a Rebel. She's something else. She's she's really great. And again, the E Street band on this, Clarence Clemens coming Clarence, in with that sax. man. Just my first note on this is, blow, big man. Blow, big man, blow. Blow. I um, want to be the boss for a while. <laughs> <laughs> this song feels somehow timeless. I know this is, again, this is a made-to-order for a sequel film for, yeah, Christmas sequel, song. For, 90s sequel. But for some reason, this one hits me right in the No, it's a Christmas really good gut. song. It's really great. Yeah. I do think that just because these songs or I mean, let's be honest, every Christmas song pretty much is made-to-order, maybe with the exception of a few, like, 2,000 Miles that wasn't a made-to-order. Mm-hmm. But right. well, I do think that discredits it as a moving Christmas moment. Yeah, that may just be me overcompensating for the fact that I'm a little embarrassed by how into Home Alone 2 I am. But uh, he's not embarrassed about it at all. Love that movie. Great. Everyone loves it. Great film. The sound of a tool chest falling down the stairs. (laughs) One cheese pizza. Okay, he does save that movie. (laughs) Tim Curry is excellent. And Rob Schneider plays his sniveling bellman. Weirdly don't care about that. No tip. No tip. He has the cash. (laughs) Gum. Well, I could talk about Home Alone 2 all day, but I won't. There's a sadness to the lyrics, but it almost feels tongue-in-cheek. I never get the sense that anyone playing or singing the song is actually sad. They sound joyful, you know, and they sound like they're doing an impression 
of a sad person on Christmas, but I'm kind of fine with that. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Darlene Love and Ronnie Spector. I just, I looked this up because it's a Google episode. So there's a, do you remember a very special Christmas, one or two, the compilations? It came out in late 80s. My, yeah. my parents had them. She does my favorite version of Rocking Around the Christmas Tree with, with Ronnie Spector. First First wife? I don't know how many wives he had, but definitely married to prison mate Phil. There is he a, still uh, locked away? Yeah, oh, definitely. He c- he killed someone. There's a wonderful... The other people have not gone to jail for that, though. True. There is a wonderful outtake from the rock and roll sessions with John Lennon screaming drunk off his ass at Phil Spector, telling him to treat him like Ronnie. <laughs> and then when Phil gets angry at him, he's like, well, don't treat me that much like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's... It's really great. A gun went off in the studio during those sessions. Yeah. It was very, very wild. normal from my understanding and many stories that I have heard that That's right. a gun was present with, with that crazy bastard in the studio. And he ended up shooting someone. Who would have thought? thought? <laughs> oh, he's just showing me a picture of him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, he looks like a character from The Walking Dead. Put yeah. this in the podcast notes. Yeah. One oh, of Phil. the dead. Oh, Phil, what happened oh, to you? He does have like crap. he has that that thing of his face falling apart that some people who get like too much cigarette cancer end up with. Too much cigarette cancer. <laughs> guys, I, I don't thought think I, I had enough. guys. I thought I had just the right amount of cigarette cancer. I think I have too much of this shit. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty bad right now. <laughs> I think I got a little too much cigarette cancer. I thought that was like meth face where your face dissolved like that or crack or something. Oh, I, I thought think, I think some people have to have like pieces of their jaw removed. Ah. I'm hungry. <laughs> I actually could get lunch if you yeah. want. <laughs> well, that's all I have to say about uh about It's that a great one, song. It definitely definitely picked me up. Well, shall we wander back to the gutter, perhaps? The emotional gutter. How oh, yeah. dare you? I say this out of love, but should we wander back to the emotional gutter? He hates, he loves this song, but he hates how much I want to play it because he, he it's uh, feel sad. He uh, has <laughs> a very strong sad. emotional reaction to it. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about Tim Minchin's White Wine in the Sun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to Christmas. A visit from Jesus I'll be seeing my dad My brother and sisters My gran and my mum They'll be drinking white wine in the sun You've heard of the Tim? Yep, heard of Tim. Do you enjoy I don't. I really don't like comedy music apart from ah. Flight of the Concords. Ah. No, not Flight of the Concords. Fuck. Jack Black. Oh my God. I think I'm having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> Am I okay? Jack, Jack Black. Tenacious, Tenacious D. D. Tenacious D. Yeah. They are fantastic. They are. They're and very good. And I love them. But apart from that, Comedy music is not really for me. I didn't realize that this was a comedy record until like when she was playing it. I just yeah. thought it was like straight on. Yeah, he does like he wrote also like music for the Matilda musical. He does yeah. like a lot of stuff, but he, he does, does a lot yeah. of satire in his music. Because he is a comedian and actor as well. And a performer. Yeah. yeah. Like British? 
Australian. Australian. Okay. But he lives in England or lived in England for a while, I think. I think he lives in London, yeah. Yeah. He's a satirist. He's written other satire songs that I really like. Like, um, he wrote a song called Thank You, God, which is this amazing cabana-style response to somebody who told him he should believe in God. Mm. But he also writes more emotional songs. Like, he wrote a song called Not Perfect, which is really... It makes me emotional every time I, I listen to it. But um, White Wine in the Sun, I really like it. For me, it might be one of the best Christmas songs ever written. Like, I really feel strongly about this song. Best um, ever. Best ever. Okay. Like, one of the only modern songs that's made it into my playlist um, and that I want to keep going back to all the time. I think a lot of it is because I agree with a lot of the sentiments that he expresses in it. He talks about how he's anti-religious. He has a whole verse where he talks about all the things that he doesn't like about what institutionalized religion has done in our society and our culture, but he quite likes the music. Yeah. And I feel mm. pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. And yes, I have all of the usual objections to the miseducation of children who in tax-exempt institutions are taught to externalize blame and to feel ashamed and to judge things as plain right or wrong. But I quite like the songs. He also talks about the song starts talking about how he's not into Christmas, he's not into the tradition, he's not into the presence, but he really likes traveling to be with family. And at the end of it, he sort of changes the tone a little bit and talks about how he's traveling from England to Australia with his newborn baby daughter to meet the family and how they're going to be so important to her and they are going to be the people that make her feel safe and she can always go back to them. And the way he's going back to his parents, she'll always be able to come back to him no matter where she is in the world or how old she is. And we traveled with our baby girl as well when she was about five months old for Christmas to introduce her to the family for the same thing. And yeah. the experience, the emotional process that he's going through is accurate. Mm. to what we experienced. Yeah, the six-month-old jet-lagged baby daughter yeah. is the line in here. You'll and be that handed, we had that. You'll be handed around the room like a puppy in a primary school and you won't understand, but you will learn someday. And it's just very... So a, it's very personal for you. Oh, yeah, extremely personal. Um, but even before we had a kid, it was personal, it, it, I think, to both of us. Before Paul and I moved out here, he'd always lived very close to family, never more than an hour or two drive yeah. away. And now we live a three or four hour flight away or a four hour drive from our closest family. And um, for me, that's normal because I grew up on the other side of the planet. Of yeah. Most of my family and my father is on the other side of the planet now. My mother's half a country away. So for me, that was normal. But for him, I think that was a really, really huge jump. So the, the concept of the travel and celebrating that moment, that holiday, that time of peace with family that make you feel safe and make you feel together. I think that really struck a chord for you when we moved out here and you started ha living that experience. Well, it's different when you see family every day. Yeah. You, you don't yeah. really see the change in them. And yeah. you don't start to think about what it's going to be yeah. like yeah. when you go six months mm -hmm. and then you see a marked yeah. difference. It has a more, and I was not prepared for that, huh. a more profound effect on mm. thinking about, oh, 
what's the next and the yeah. next and the next. And for me, like, especially when I was in college the first time around, I uh, I was not able to because I was working so much at school and, and at my jobs um, that I, I was not able to see the family that was close as much as I would have wanted to. So it was like looking forward all year round to Thanksgiving and Christmas because I got to be with them, yeah. which I didn't have a chance to do. So it's if you put a currency on Christmas for me, that would be it as well. Wow, that's beautiful. That's given the song such a different dynamic. Yeah. I will listen to it again now and differently. It makes me sad and I cry. Yeah. yeah. Which means that I don't get to play it as much as I want to. I'm like, turn that cats in the cradle shit off. I can't <laughs> deal right now. You've got headphones, babe. Yeah. Take his... You. No, she's... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You do have noise-canceling headphones. There you go. I mean, it's, it's a great set of lyrics. I have all of the usual objections to consumerism, to the commercialization of an ancient, ancient religion, religion. Wow. to I, the westernization of a dead Palestinian. Press gang to selling PlayStations and yeah. beer. But I still really like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Me too. Yeah. Oh, so a little bit more about this song. This, this came out in 2009 and uh, did not get sort of a, a formal studio recording until a couple of years later, like 2012. And at that point, like a significant portion of the proceeds or any of the sales from either of the versions of the song have gone to the what I think is the National Autism Society. And mm-hmm. I don't know what country that's based out of, but that's another thing I like about Tim Minchin. He, uh, he does a lot of fundraising for appropriate things. He uses his power for good and... Wow. He also wrote a song called I Love Boobs. It's true. And who doesn't, really? Boobs are great. They, they are. are. Yeah. I get freaked out by churches. Some of the hymns that they sing have nice chords, but the lyrics are dodgy. And yes, I have all the usual objections to the miseducation of children who, in tax-exempt <laughs> institutions, are taught to externalize blame and to feel ashamed and to judge things as plain right and wrong. But I quite like the songs. <laughs> yeah. I think that... That's it. That makes me feel like he and I would get along. Mm. That that verse. I feel like he and I have some fundamental agreements about culture and society. Is that important to you when you listen to music that you feel that you you can be on a level with the artist? Um, no. I think there's a part of me that pretentiously would like to be able to say that these are good lyrics or these are bad lyrics, but really a lot of the time it comes down to the beat. Mm-hmm. And the song and whether it just sounds good to me. But with this song particularly, the fact that the lyrics are so on the nose yeah. for me really, really means a lot. Because that yeah. doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Beautiful choice. Thank you. Ryan. Oh, sorry. I was just thinking about that verse. I'm. It's a profound. <laughs> Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Toasty nuts. Jack Frost <laughs> nibbling. Is it nibbling? N- nipping. Can you nibbling. nipple? What? I think you nibble can. Nibble isn't a verb. No. <laughs> can you imagine if Nat King Cole nippling? Nat King Cole number one you hobby, are nibbling. Ruining this song for me. Ryan with the timeless songs again. The Christmas yeah. song, Merry Christmas to You. Ooh. Commonly called Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows 
This is a classic song written in 1945 by Robert Wells and Mel Torme. Ooh. And according to Mel Torme, the song was written during a blistering hot summer in an effort to, <laughs> air quotes, stay cool by thinking cool. Ooh. And it's one of the most performed Christmas songs. So he starts it with a lyric about fire. Ever, yeah. <laughs> so this is what this is Torme said. I saw a spiral pad on Wells' piano with four lines written in pencil. They started chestnuts roasting, Jack Frost nipping, Yuletide carols, folks dressed up like Eskimos. But he didn't think that he was writing a song lyric. He said that he, he thought if he could immerse himself in winter, he could cool off. <laughs> 40 minutes later, the whole song was done. Wow. Wow, I love that. Yeah. Man, these Christmas songs, people just spit them <laughs> yeah, out just, when they come around. Boom, boom, just boom. Just a hot day. Ah, cool off with the song. I wonder if it's anything to do with the fact that most of the year you're not thinking about Christmas. Yeah. So there's like all of this space from it so when the time comes you have a lot to say and think and feel about it whereas Mm. with most other subjects you're immersed in it Mm -hmm. all year round Mm. that's actually something that kind of bothered me when we started working in publishing when i went because we were doing kids publishing so we would have like christmas themed stuff but we'd have to work on them in june yeah yeah yeah. and would i I was like this isn't right (laughs) this is gonna ruin christmas for me yeah see mickey mouse with his head off behind the (laughs) stage smoking a cig (laughs) (laughs) This one I get speaking of cigarettes, there's a there's a rasp to this vocal, yeah. but there's also kind of a youthful energy to it, which I find to be an interesting mix there. It's I'll almost I'll tell a, you what I think that youthful energy is. Cocaine. What do you think it is? Is it cocaine? I think it's sex. Ooh. Mm. This song to me, when I said earlier that I like Christmas songs that are sad but also sensual. This song for me is like one of the sexy Christmas songs. This is the one. You know, yeah. if you had to describe Nick yeah. Nicole's voice as anything sensual is right up there. Like if I came home at Christmas time and Ryan had this record on, I'd be like, boom, chick a Tell me more about that. You're just naked on the couch, except you've got a Santa's hat over your ween. Like that Burt Reynolds photo, that wow. promo photo. Have you ever seen that? No. Where Reynolds is naked on a... Yeah. That kind of vibe in a shiz. Yeah. This, to me, is a yes. sexy Christmas song. I'm just like, oh, yeah. Wow. Sexy Christmas I would never, I'd never associate, but now that you're talking about it, maybe sure. you, Maybe there's a niche here. Maybe I should make a sexy Christmas playlist. Huh. I think you should. Yeah, baby. Yes. Yeah. I think you should. Please do. Yeah. Wasn't okay. it, was it Dan? Yeah, Ryan's like, yes, please. Was it Dan Savage? We were, yes. We used we to listen to, the, to, to the Stranger podcast. And and he was talking about how the one thing he could never find sexy in the universe was Christmas because it was so far removed. It was so associated. He went with on family. a rant about people sending like uh, sexy photos of their buttholes with a Santa hat on them and stuff like well, that. Well, so Sylvester could investigate, right? Yeah, Sylvester's mom. Hey, yo, it's his mom. Well, Not that's him. what she sounds like too. She's yeah. like, yo, all sound the same. Hey, hey yo. <laughs> so to your point, the, the, <laughs> I, I pulled this fact. That this is the most loved seasonal song with women aged 30 to 49. Wow. Because they want to wow. get dicked down at Christmas <laughs> <laughs> to this song. That'll be the subtitle for this episode, Dicked <laughs> Down at Christmas. I think for adults, like some good, yeah. some good sessions are probably a pretty important part of the Christmas experience. Some sexy sessions, that is. Little candy cane so action. So sex aside... Ooh, <laughs> I think this this element is interesting. Maybe this will be the last thing I say before <laughs> we go back to talking about getting dicked down at Christmas. That's a Christmas carol I'd listen yeah. to. <gasps> I'm on it, you guys. Yes, please. 
so the Nat King Cole trio, they first recorded the song in 46. And then Nat King Cole said he wanted to re-record it. And Capitol Records said, no, thanks. But they went and did it anyway. And that was the song that became the hit, the second version in the pop and the R&B charts. But mm. the version that we all know was done in 1961. That's the definitive version. Wow. So this is a song that was hanging around that got re-recorded a few times, including a Nelson Riddle orchestral arrangement. He was Sinatra's collaborator, one of many, one of a few arrangers. So a long and winding road to get to the definitive recording, but wow. for your dicking of the downing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I'm done. I'll yeah. just drop the mic after that. I love this song. This yeah. is a great, great classic Christmas song. It's very comforting. It's very homey. Just takes you right back. Yeah, it really does. And isn't like there's a music video for it, but it's literally just him standing on a soundstage in a suit singing at the camera. Yeah, what else do you Making need? sexy eye contact. Exactly. Sounds pretty raunchy to me. <laughs> well, What's going on at Christmas in, England, in Britain? <laughs> there's lots of Christmas. Like, I feel like Christmas is kind of, because it's yeah. lonely, people are hooking up. I don't know. I think so too. I mean... Every English Christmas movie or movie that has Christmas in it in England is around romance and hooking up and sex and love. And Hugh Grant is in it, right? Going, ho, 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 ho. Yeah, Hugh Grant. The Holiday, one of the best Christmas movies ever. Have you guys seen that one? The Holiday? Mm-hmm. No. no. What is wrong with you people? I have the list if you'd like. <gasps> Susanna keeps one in the car at all times. It's so good. Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, Jack Oh, I love Black. all these people. And they and Cameron and Kate do a house swap, and they're like two women who just like need to get away, and they both decide at the last minute. Kate's living in a chocolate box cottage in the countryside, and Cameron's this like Hollywood executive, and she has like a beautiful. Hollywood mansion and they swap lives for the Christmas period and there's love involved dot 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 you guys need to watch the rest I'm not going to spoil it it's so good it's such a good Christmas film as good as Love Actually or Bridget Jones IMO my favorite High Christmas praise. movie is The Muppet Christmas Carol okay that is a great movie there's, like also, some, lot. there's also, also some fucking The Muppets there. almost made it onto this playlist they did not there is some darkness in that movie yeah they all had themselves a merry little Christmas Die which hard. is my Transition into the last song here. Oh, yeah. Judy's back. Judy. Oh, is it me? Okay, okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love this song so much. This has to be one of the saddest songs Mm. ever. It's so sad. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas So Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas was written by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine and it was introduced to the world by Judy Garland in 1944 when MGM made musical Meet Me in St. Louis. I did not know Judy Garland even sang this song. She yeah. sings it. A boy does she sing she it. She does a great job. Well, the first and that's one, the right? version we all know, right? When we yeah. when we hear it on the on the air. Why would you want to hear another version? Uh, yeah. It's the perfect version. She sings it sad. 
Well, she's a sad lady. She I has guess. a saddest story of all time. Judy's story yeah, was just she tragic. never had a chance. She, from a child, when mm-hmm. she got those first roles, they were drugging her up to yep. be performing in the day, drugging her down to sleep at night. Yeah, they were. They she wasn't allowed to eat almost ever. She was on yeah. constant diet pills. Like from like age, we're talking like before teenager. Yeah, she was prepubescent at this time. And that's why she was such a train wreck. Wow. Because they really messed with her as a child, the the movie studios. Mm -hmm. But that's what I think comes through in her performance. Yeah. And in so many of her performances. But this one particularly is important to me because Meet Me in St. Louis, the movie, is a tradition in my household. Mm. We watch it every Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, depending on the schedule. My mom would always try and drag me to church and I was never really into it. I liked the singing, but as I got older, I was just like, ah, this isn't really my vibe. And Mm. I didn't want to... My mom would get so like hurt almost that I didn't want to come with her because she had so much joy when we were in there she loved it Mm. so much that I felt kind of bad you know Mm -hmm. but this has remained one of the things that I can do with her to bond with her that is really important and are you gonna see her when you go back yes yeah yeah we're gonna stay with her yeah this is gonna be your first Christmas with her in a while yeah in a couple years oh that's amazing I know I'm so excited I cannot wait and I'm gonna see my dog I cannot wait to see my well, so that actually transitions into the line I pointed out here that is different from the version I know, because my favorite line from this song is not one that Judy sings here, which is, someday we will all be together if the fates allow. Yeah. She sings, until well, we will all muddle through somehow yeah. instead, which is a a darker... <laughs> <laughs> like there's, they're both kind of sad, but the muddle through is a definitely more depressing. No, it's so depressing. But originally, when this was written, the lyrics changed because when they were recording the soundtrack for this, Judy and also I think the director Vincent Minnelli just said this is too sad. So, for example, the lines "It may be your last next year, we may all be living in the past" became "Let your heart be light yeah. next year, all our troubles will be out of sight." And the first, it may be your last next year, we may all be living in the past. That was even too sad for Judy. So I trust her on that. And I feel that she made the right choice. The original lyrics of it really remind me of like Grapes of Wrath. I feel like that part of the song is like a retelling of starving families trying to find work in the Dust Bowl Depression era. I mean, possibly, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've never read anything about the two guys that wrote it. So... Mm. But the movie, Meet Me in St. Louis, is about a family who are living there in the city and it's before the World's Fair comes to the city and the dad comes home one day and he's like, we're moving to New York, I've had a job promotion. And the girls, the daughters and the mother are all just devastated and they don't want to leave. And that's kind of the theme of the movie. And we have moved house a lot of times and lived in different places so I think as a child it really struck a chord for me of like oh my god we're not going to be here that much longer and Mm -hmm. not going to be my friends or not going to be my family and I think yeah I just think for that reason it was very very moving for me once again as in olden days happy golden days of your faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more I mean that's just lovely it's that hopefulness Mm -hmm. as well you know it's not just all doom and gloom Mm -hmm. And I think mostly it's just her emotion that comes through when she sings this song is so unbelievable. And if you guys haven't seen the movie, for sure watch it. I think we have to now. The scene where she sings it, she just looks breathtaking. She's Mm. wearing this red dress and she has this like 
pearl beaded hairnet on and the close-up of her face and she has like a tear in her eye it's just so beautiful and sad <laughs> but it's very it. yeah very yeah. very hopeful there's just hope all throughout the movie which mm-hmm. i love it's great i really like the rewrites this song keeps mm. was rewritten a lot but that line next year all our troubles will be out of sight when she sings it is so yeah, it's, it's devastating the fates allow line is my favorite because it's so memorable what an interesting sentiment that is next year we'll all be together unless one of us dies yeah, unless we're all gone whoa and then and so but the way it's written it's it's obtuse in a way but boy it gets you thinking doesn't it <laughs> around the christmas no, it time does. you don't it really it's a bit of a roller coaster yeah. this song it really is it's very up and down it's like one line is devastatingly sad right and then the next line is hopeful Susanna and i both bonded over muppet stuff early and there's a lot of great muppet christmas stuff but muppet family christmas is my favorite christmas special and part of that reason is because it's one of jim henson's last And they are singing this song. The Muppets are all singing this song. And they get to that line about, we'll all be together if the fates allow. And Henson Mm -hmm. himself is in that special as the guy who's washing the dishes in the kitchen while the Muppets are having fun. And I always think about that. My God, that line comes up right before he pops up on screen. And he would die like, what, a year later or something? Less than a year year later. Six months, I think. And I always think about, yeah, that could happen at any time. So you especially appreciate Christmas because that is the artificial thing we've chosen to all get together mm-hmm. <laughs> and we should value that and not just, and it's easy to be annoyed by it and wonder where your yams are. I'm still waiting for those yams, yeah. but we should all appreciate it for what it is because it forces us to be human for five minutes. Yeah. yeah, Be together. Which is what Christmas should be about. Just be human for five little minutes. No. <laughs> the passing of time. That is one thing in this song which is almost like a dread-like feeling for me. It's like the inevitable mm. passing of time, yeah. which is rough. Mm-hmm. And Christmas can do that too, you know, because it punctuates the year. So you're having all the same dressing, but everything in the people look different. Yeah. And every year a little ornament's broken yeah. or you need to replace a bulb or whatever Or someone's gone. Yeah. Who should be there. Another great Christmas movie, The Family Stone. You guys got to watch that as well. SJP, Luke Wilson. We're getting Ooh. a lot of recommendations today. A lot of stuff, it. a lot of research to do. So in 57, 1957, <laughs> year of Lord, Frank Sinatra <laughs> asked the songwriter to, to revise the line, until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. And his quote is, yo, the name of my album is A Jolly Christmas. Do you think you could jolly up that line for me? <laughs> So that's the line I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, my God. So yeah. it was Frankie we have to thank Frank, for that. Frank, so yeah. Hey, and then, yeah, Frank Sinatra, folks. Do you want to wrap this up with, like, around the table, like, some of your favorite Christmas movies? I think I've already given mine. The Holiday, Love Actually, Meet Me in St. Louis, The Family Stone is so good. Perfect. Ryan? Die Hard 1 and 2. 1 and 2. Great. Three's in the, in the summer in the city. It's the summer in the city. Hot town, summer in the city. I, because of the looks I'm getting from everybody in this room, I'm going to just pass it off for the next person. I love the, the classics. Rudolph. Santa Claus is coming to town because it's ridiculously intricate Santa Claus continuity where they explain where he came from and all the different facets of his personality. And they yeah. even give him a little penguin companion named Topper. <laughs> And they tried to make Topper the Christmas Penguin work so hard in this film. Yeah. Never Aww, works. But he does go, ah, 
Why? Why, you're a penguin. Well, the Home Alones, uh, for Home whatever Alones reason, are, are always connected. Classics. Muppet Family Christmas, Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppets, for me, are stapled to Christmas. If it wasn't for Christmas, I wouldn't be watching them regularly enough to appreciate them as much as I do. It's a very sad one called Emmett Otter's. Uh, sad, sad otters in poverty land. Sad otters in poverty land. It's about a real poor otter, who oh. who basically it's a it's a, a it's a gift, tale, of the gift of the magi retelling where he and his mother both sell their possessions at a chance at winning a bunch of money and they both lose and that's the ending. I love wow. Also. That's sad. So yeah, there's a lot of them that I love. I'm probably forgetting a bunch. Oh, Pee Wee's Christmas. Uh, special People, Americans love that one. Yeah, it's, like it's very American. Very vibes. good. Uh, there's a Ren and Stimpy. I wish that guy wasn't a pedophile, but there's a Ren and Stimpy one okay. where we're trying to bring John the, We're trying to yeah. bring the Did you not up. know about that? John Kay's a pedophile now? S- not now. Has always been. <laughs> what do you mean? Has always been. Do like one Google. You will find I'm everything you need to know. <laughs> I <laughs> need to know the powder toast man is still safe. It's he's not. not. We're trying to bring he's the not. tone up. We're, ta- we're talking like very young girls. Stimpy farts and names it. Stinky, and that's what the whole Christmas special is about. I'm done. Susanna, go. Okay. Well, I overlap with the Muppets for me and him, but I, I like, I'm a big animation person. It's mm. kind of my thing. I really like the Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends Christmas special because it really tackles that age of where the Christmas magic starts to leave you and how you make a transitionary appreciation to the new way that Christmas is presenting itself to you. Yeah. A lot of specials sort of skirt around that or like cheese it up or, or do it weird and they handled it I think just spot on and I do love the Charlie Brown Christmas oh yeah that's, oh, good. that's a good one it's so good very good do one. you know the kids in that were so young that they couldn't read scripts so they had to be like spoon fed their lines no, I didn't know that lights please yeah it's very cute but I, I like that kind of stuff Favorite Christmas tradition? The stockings yeah uh, I, su- I'll go with Aww. stockings also that's one thing Susanna Susanna wasn't as interested in doing what, what was very important to me. I thought it was just more Christmas work for a while. Because yeah, like, we're, both, we're both adults. Magical. They are magical. Yeah, mm-hmm. when, when, I, when we were kids, uh, James and I, my brother James and I would never sleep all night. And then we'd be up yes. at four. Or like, I would get him out of bed at four and we would open our stockings, which always had a couple presents in them. And then we would wait very patiently until like six or seven and go bother my parents. <laughs> but Susanna was very good about making sure we continue to do that tradition yeah, when we got so together. Nice. And this is going to be the first year our daughter will like be able to tell the difference between there being not a lot of stuff in a spot and now there's a lot of stuff. So yeah. we're excited to start doing yeah. that. I like the cooking yes. and the okay. food. The food. I try to pull out as many sort of like flavors I remember from England in my childhood. Yeah. Okay. Like I'll buy the bird's custard powder that I can find yeah. in the import aisle. I'll make like the treacle based desserts. Yeah. I'll make like, a, we'll do the cooking of the specific things is really nice. When we visit my family in Massachusetts and if we're there on Christmas Eve, we also go, to, they have a non-denominational church that they go to. Yeah. Like a congregational church. Just going there and singing some carols like yeah. i love participating in the carol sing yeah. i really love that love that that's so nice mm. my aunt pam makes these christmas sugar oh my gosh, cookies she makes the best sugar cookies <sighs> you last year oh that's a great story ryan ate they're big as well they're as <laughs> big as a hand oh my god it's um, a big cookie well he ate 13 of them <laughs> and i i were you okay no, no. he wasn't okay <laughs> He actually wasn't okay. And he also had two pieces of cake and several sugary drinks. 
the I next felt day he woke up and he had it was worse than a hangover he was until about four o'clock he was destroyed i was ready to <laughs> be taken oh no yeah. i was ready for christmas but those cookies i tell you those are those so some good, good. Cookies. oh god thank you aunt pam I'm I'm a fan of the pies and the cakes and yeah. the, and I didn't realize because growing up in England you come you come over here and suddenly you find there's a bunch of like main courses in Midwestern America that are actually insanely sweet yeah like, like they'll say they, this is sweet potato casserole and it's like got a sugar crumb yeah because crust. they put sugar in it and marshmallow on top which is so it, that was mind blowing for me yeah like it still is mind blowing for me I, I'm not a fan of most of it but I do love like a good sweet potato casserole with like nuts and brown sugar like made so it's like a crumble almost oh yeah that sounds I can good get behind that a berry crumble <sighs> I think one of my favorite Christmas traditions is at my house we do Christmas breakfast yes and. Our neighbors all come over and many of our extended family, we have a very big extended non-blood related family and we all do breakfast together. Mm. Yeah. And that is my favorite part of Christmas. What's your, what are the breakfast foods that show up? Is it different every year or are there some things you do all the time? We do pretty much the same thing all the time. Everyone can have like cereals or whatever. And then we get croissant, pan mm. chocolate. We do full English, eggs, bacon, beans, mushrooms, mm. the whole lot. And we always have champagne and orange juice mm. or, you know, whatever, cava or prosecco, whatever. And I just love it. Everyone's fresh mm. in the morning. And some people come all dressed up. Some people just wear their PJs. Mm -hmm. And it is honestly, if I had to lose everything else about Christmas, I would. It's just... 100% my favorite part of the day. The way you describe it makes me want to go to that. It's so nice. Huge table like this. We mm -hmm. put all the tables in the house together so mm -hmm. that everyone can sit just down. Just serve themselves and take whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, all the foods in the middle. <sighs> and, and then the kids afterwards open their presents. And it's just my favorite part of the day. I love it. Mm -hmm. We hope this has been a present for all you lucky listeners out there. Ooh, it was a long one. It was, it was good a one. long one. Thanks but it was for good. having us, guys. This yeah, was thanks really for coming. fun. Yeah, I enjoyed this. If we do this again sometime, I would... Be happy about it. Merry Christmas, everyone. Maybe Merry happy Christmas. Crimble. Happy Christmas. Gary Crimble to you. <laughs> Where are those yams? <laughs>
Either donate or don't. We will still be here making you hear this, whatever this is. It's going to be that easy. We're wishing you all the best. Happy holidays. We thank you sincerely for your time and attention. Please join us in conversation on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or write us an email at nowhearthisofficial at gmail.com. Thanks again. See you soon. Well, hey, Brian. Hey, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm here to tell the listeners that if they'd like to contribute mm. to help keeping these Now Hear This episodes coming, well, they can donate featuring the wonderful new donation technology boop, 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 that boop, boop, boop. ACAST has developed for us. That's right. ACAST has helped us out. They host the show. Yeah, our hosts, ACAST, have made it really easy to donate to the show. They have an ACAST supporter feature, and there's a link in the show description that you can follow to kick a couple bucks for the show. It can be five bucks, a hundred bucks, less than a dollar. We don't care. Yeah, just something to keep the lights on. It's all out of pocket, and we do this out of love, and that's it. And we love you all for listening. Thank you very much for doing that. Couldn't said it better myself. Okay. All right. Well, bye then.